What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined again uh, by Sif Pop Writer Chantal. How's it going? We write for SifPop.com. We provide movie reviews, best ever challenges, other in- interesting movie-related articles, lots of good stuff on the site. So make sure to go to SifPop.com to check out all that. Uh, but on the show today, on the podcast, we're going to talk uh, about quite a lot of things, actually. Uh, we have two coming attractions. Obviously, we have the uh, upcoming No Time to Die coming out in the States. Um, that's why that, that's going for this week, uh, because that is um, coming out in the United States this week. Uh, and we have Lamb from A24 also coming out uh, this week. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, um, so we're going to be talking about those two movies kind of as they're uh, we're anticipating them coming out. Um, and then we, uh, we're going to talk about a couple Scooby-Doo movies for our nostalgia pick. we got Scooby-Doo, Zombie Island, and uh, Scooby the Cyber Chase. Um, and, uh, and we'll kind of talk about them and our experience watching them in 2021. And then uh, thought for the B-plot, it would be really fun. Uh, I gave Chantal the option uh, to either fantasy cast uh, a new Scooby-Doo movie or to fantasy cast um, the next Bond movie from a completely clean, clean slate. Um, just for funsies, and uh, we're going to do the Bond one. Um, doesn't mean we won't do the Scooby-Doo one someday, but uh, we're going to do the Bond one today. That seems fun. So, especially kind of as it's it's known that this is Craig's last one, so it's kind of kind of the right time to do it. Uh, and, of course, we'll do the spinoff. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to uh, know a writer this week. Chantal, uh, Chantal, I've already asked you these questions uh, a couple times uh, before, but uh, it's been a while, so I thought we'd do a refresher. Um, when did you realize that like movies are kind of your thing? Ooh, um, that's a good question. Um, when I found out that movies were my thing, it was probably when, let me see, what movie was it? I'm like, I don't want to be like cheesy or anything, but I probably <laughs> want to say, I want to say it was probably The Goonies. <laughs> like okay. when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I like instantly like fell in love with it. It was like these friends that were going like on a treasure hunt and they were just like, it just made me think like, what if me and my friends could do something like that? Like, what if we could like, you know, come together, like find a treasure map and be like, let's go find this lost treasure. And just, it was just like a lot of fun and it was a lot of mystery. And it was just like, it. I just had like a good time watching it as a child. I mean, it came out way before I was born, but sure. <laughs> but at that, at that point, I was just like amazed at like the things that they did. And even though now that I'm older and like every, like the visual effects and everything has changed, it's still one of those movies that I kind of like go back to because it's just like yeah. the memories and it's like, and for like the longest time, I would always say like Goonies is like my all time favorite movie. I mean, it's changed since, but like as a kid in like my teenage years, I was like the Goonies, the Goonies, the Goonies. Like you have to watch these. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great pick, and you're exactly right. Like when you watch that movie, like you so desperately want to have an adventure like that with your friends. It's yes, <laughs> it, uh, a Goonies is like an early '90s movie, and I, I'm pretty sure maybe late. 80s. Pretty sure it's early '90s though, and I. Um, gosh, it might even be, I don't know. I got to figure this out now, but, um, <laughs> but either way, like it was a prominent thing when I was born, you know, 1985. Um, 
I was born in 95 and like, it was already just like a staple 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 in every household. Um, Yes. And just even watching it, it, you know, at least 10 years after it had come out, it was still Mm -hmm. uh, like just wanted that adventure and, you know, wanted to have a friendship like, uh, uh, like chunk and, uh, um. Uh, what's the one-eyed Willie? Sloth. Yeah. Uh, a sloth. Yeah. Sloth. In a, yeah. Yes. Yeah, sloth. Just hey, you guys. Like I will always <laughs> say that like a lot. <laughs> I would like drive people insane because I would say it so much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, you said your your kind of your favorite movie of all time has changed. It used to be The Goonies. What would mm-hmm. you say it is today? If I had to choose now, because that's like every because that used to be like my all-time one, it would probably mm-hmm. have to be, um, wow, what would it be now? It's like, even though it just came out like a couple of years ago, I it would have to, it would have to be Black Panther. Okay. Um, like, I just fell in love with that movie instantly. I like saw it like five times at the movie theater. It was completely different from what the Marvel Cinematic Universe had given us before for for like a first run movie for a character that we really didn't know too much about. So, yep. and of course, I'm like, I love everything black. So so for me <laughs> to like see something that big on that kind of a no, spectrum on a screen, it like, mm-hmm. it just, it was like a really good feeling to like see to see like these actors playing like queens and kings and prince and princesses and it's just it was just like royalty so it was like a really it was like a really good feeling to see on the screen because it's something often that um that I don't see yeah so it was it was just like one of those good one of them good feeling movies not just the action or like the story it was just just seeing um I guess you could say just seeing black people in like in a better spot than what we are today. It just put us in a better reality than what reality that we're in now. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, (laughs) obviously, I don't have the same experience. I never can't and never will. Um, But I I think that truly this is one of those movies that, uh, first of all, I totally understand what it's people's favorite movie of all time. Um, I have issues with it. Um, Mostly the CG is just terrible in it. But um, uh, yeah, I can look past that. that. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't make the movie bad. Right. Right. It just makes it like... (laughs) Uh, makes it a yeah, little cheesy and, yeah for sure um but it it does the um I, I think when we're having conversations about like the mcu in particular uh right you know i think there are three different categories that we can look at these and what movie mm-hmm. is the best what movie mm-hmm. is your favorite and what movie is the most important and i don't think there is any argument that black panther is the most important probably comic book movie of all time um, yes you know, people people might say The Dark Knight um, because of what it did for comic book movies and what it did for right. Batman and just being an excellent movie that it is. Um, yes, it is. But but there's there's no seeing videos, especially when Chadwick died. Seeing videos of of him hanging out in the theaters and talking to people afterwards is just like right. the most wholesome thing I could ever think of. Correct. Um, so. Yeah, and, and and to hear interviews of people saying, finally, somebody like me is on that screen. Has exactly. Somebody... So, like, I, I don't have the same experience. I'm not going to claim that. Uh, yeah. But I but I can understand <laughs> and recognize yeah. its importance. And I, I think it truly is one of those films will that will be considered a landmark staple um, and one of the most yes. important films of all time up there with you yes. know, Schindler's List and um, Saving Private Ryan and... Yeah. Um, uh, the Shawshank say. Redemption. Okay, and not to get off track, I'm like, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, I'm like, I gotta know now. I'm like, what's yours? Yeah, it's the Nice Guys. Um, oh, okay, so. okay, that's a good movie. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, movie. a lot that less serious, and it's not. Yeah, it's not as uh, definitely not as important. Um, but it hits all the sweet spots. <laughs> 
Yes, that one's actually good. I can I can actually watch that movie and actually enjoy it every time I watch it. So yeah, yeah, it's one of those. It's far ones. it's far from the most important movie of all time, and it's far from the yeah. best made movie of all time. But everything about that movie <laughs> was made for me, um, and it's it's the it's the one that if we're gonna sit down and watch the movies together, it's it's the it's the one that the highest percentage that I will say yes to. <laughs> Um, even if I just watched it last week or something, it's the highest percentage. Right. It's like, yeah, I think, I think, I think somebody's favorite movie of all time should be the one that they're constantly trying to get other people to watch. And I'm trying to get everybody I know to watch the nice guys specifically <laughs> with me, because that movie is so much fun. Like when you watch right. it with others, but, um, it is, it can be a lot of fun. That movie was like a fun, like a fun, like movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Um, so, uh, so then kind of, uh, about your Sif pop like process, uh, you're, you, you've been on writing for the site. I'm pretty sure longer than I have. Um, kind of what, what was that thing that kind of like, uh, got you into writing and what was that thing that really kind of made you take that leap of faith? Um, I, because it's like, my thing is, it's, it's crazy to me because it's like, I, I always like critique movies and it's like, I like to kind of like pick them apart and it's kind of fun when I can see my friends like, Hey, like, let me know what you think of this movie because it's like, it's like when you see this movie and it's like, you'll let me know what, like what's going on here, there and there. And it's like, they like, they take my opinion to, you know, like to use like they want to know like how I felt like one like for a movie so it's just like oh so I'm like maybe I should like take a chance and just be like oh hey go see this movie because of this reason hey don't go see this movie because of this reason and I'm like I'm trying to remember how I even got caught onto it I think it was like I think I was like on Twitter and and I think I came across <laughs> and it's like I just like came across I think it was Blake I think he like just he just like saw something of mine and he was like, Hey, he's like, he's like, I'm starting this page where it's like, we're, you know, we're like writing with like with different writers about movies and stuff. And it's like, would you like to join? So I was just like, I'm like, sure. I was like, why not? I'm like, let me just like take a chance and like see how it plays out for me. And, and I'm like that kind of person who was like kind of nervous to think like, okay, like what if my writing's not good enough? Like what if, like, what would they say? But it just seems like I've been doing this or maybe like, a couple of years now it's just been like the writing we hadn't got to like the podcasting part yet it was just the mm -hmm. writing part and it was just it was just I I guess it was like I could finally like get my opinions out there for like everyone else to see instead of just like family and friends like yes. and it's kind of cool when people like actually take your words and like take it to advice like oh like like oh she was right about this movie or like and it's like sometimes you may not agree with me but it's just like it was like one of those things where it's like let me just take a chance and just write like what I feel about this film and I'm kind of like that kind of person who's like kind of skeptical about people like when they read my stuff and I'm just like and I'll just be sitting back like what did you think <laughs> it's like one of those like I always still kind of have a fear but I still do it just because I, it's a risk for me. Yeah, I, it's I mean it's a risk for everybody too. Um, you know, it, it, to kind of to kind of put yourself out there. Yes, because um, that's I mean that's what you're doing, right? Like, and and yeah. it, I, mean, I mean with doing this podcast, with doing like you know, you gotta like uh, not not like say the right thing or anything like that, but it's like your words matter. Um, and right. you're putting your, you're putting yourself out there to whatever degree you decide to put yourself out there and exactly. saying, this is, this is me. And you either accept that or don't. And, um, uh, Definitely you know, agree. that fear, that fear of somebody saying, I don't, you know, is, uh, yeah. uh, 
you know, especially when you're talking about, hey, actually, this movie that everybody hates, I kind of actually like, or this one that like everybody right. likes, I kind of actually exactly. hate. Like, like for me to pu- when every time I mention publicly that I think The Office is the most overrated TV show of all time, uh, like it's a just okay show. Um, yeah, I would have to I, agree like, with you on that one. <laughs> I just like I, I feel like that's the like. I feel like everybody's going to stop taking me seriously like about yeah. my TV <laughs> opinions at that point. Like when I say that, I think Breaking Bad is just okay. Uh, right. It's not, it's not anything great. People are like, hold on now. <laughs> um, That's the same thing with me. Like my friends like like these same shows, like they like Grey's Anatomy and all that stuff. And I'm just like, how, it's like, how many seasons can you have of being in one hospital? And <laughs> it's like a really good show. And everybody well, just well, like. Well, so. Scrubs did it for eight seasons successfully. So. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah and just uh, you know just looking back at some of the stuff you've written most recently you know the last week's BEC you did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles article that was really cool and uh, the the one on Soul was just I mean it's short and sweet but like it's it's one of those that like how how much can you how much more can you possibly say about a movie that has that much precedent at that point exactly Um, but it's just that subtle you know um, subtle little charm for me that each writer gets um, yeah I like I don't I, try and like sorry I'm like I don't try and make like a long paragraph like I don't want to make a novel I like to make it short and sweet just yeah. you know just to get my point across but still like let you know like what the movie is and what it was about but yeah right so yeah and and that's you know it's it's the little things that pay off and um right yeah um yeah um so then I have one more question for you uh, mm-hmm. before we get to talking about these movies coming out it's non-movie related just to just kind of get a uh, a feeling more a little bit for your personality so the writers can yeah. maybe or the listeners can maybe have something to, to latch on to a little bit um it, it's got to be prefaced by this question are you bilingual i am not okay neither am i i mean i took some high school no. spanish and in college i took some some greek so i could like read ancient greek um okay with with a couple resources by me it's like not impressive at all um, oh yeah like i, I can't say, just sign read or anything <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's difficult, uh, and it, it is, uh, for, for 21st century eyes, but it's like one of those, like, if right. I have a couple resources, I could kind of figure it out. Okay. Um, uh, but I, but I can't speak any other languages more than, you know, like all those stereotypical people making fun of white people trying right. to speak Spanish, you know? No. Um, <laughs> so this is the question that I actually wanted to ask. Um, if you could okay. learn any language, which one would you learn? Ooh, um, I think... Yeah, I'm like, at first it, I thought it would be like Spanish, but like now that I like, I'm like thinking about it, for some apparent reason, I would like to learn Italian. Like, mm. versus, I'm like, I don't know what it is about that language, but it's just, I don't, I guess you could say, <laughs> oh my God, I'm like, I'm going to sound just like, like a giddy girl here. I'm just like, it sounds, it's like, it sounds sexy. Like, it's like one of those languages where it's just like, it just rolls off the tongue and you're just like, I mean, it is like romance language, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like in awe whenever I just hear it and I'm just like, oh, I'm like, I wish I knew how to speak Italian so I can just go to Italy and just be like, just wandering around and just be able to speak like perfect Italian. But it's just like one of those things where it's like, if I can't, <laughs> if I can't get like a certain word right, I'll just be like, you know what? I'm done. It's like I, Look, I'm almost like that kind of person who will be like, I'll give up. <laughs> but it's like, but I would, I would love to like learn and like understand the Italian language for sure. Look, as as somebody that is currently replaying the uh, the original Assassin's Creed games, uh, and I'm in that middle of okay. that Ezio arc, I'm just yeah, Ita- it- Italian language is sounds really nice to learn right about now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Gosh, I think uh, I think like my the rational side of me wants to say Spanish since it's you know the most universal yeah. language. I mean, I I can already do English and that's pretty universal. But pretty right. much anywhere you go, you could figure out Spanish or um, or English. You know, you can find somebody right. that can at least speak broken one of those. Um, but part of me also just thinks like um, in in terms of like languages, I feel I feel like really I want I would want to learn Mandarin or French. Um, French because it's it's also a romance language. It's uh, yes, it is. Um, it, it, I mean, it just has it has a fun feeling to it. But like, mm-hmm. I, I think you know, Mandarin like would be. I, I'm fascinated by it's it's got it's one of the most uh, one of the oldest active languages. Uh, and yeah. so, kind of just to be able to see how language has evolved and how it still works for the largest population on Earth. Um, right. I, I just. I, I'm going to make that my answer. I'm going to make Mandarin my official answer. Um, right. I think it would I be like incredibly it. difficult to learn it um, yeah. as a exclusively English speaker. But um, yes. Yeah. But I think, I think that'd, be, that'd cool. be cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. Uh, so now we got to talk about some movies, though, because uh, that's what people yeah. really came here to listen to. Um, right. Let's start with Lamb, because Lamb is the like uh, lesser, no- lesser, not lesser known. I mean, well. It's lesser known because it's not 007, uh, but I still think yeah. this is like a moderate, um, moderate film uh, because A24 and right. some of the cast that's in it, you know, Numi Rapis leading it. Um, but the uh, this comes out October 8th, at least here in the United States. I'm not sure about internationally. This is a uh, um, the country of origin is Iceland, uh, Sweden and Poland. So uh, it looks like predominantly Icelandic. So um, foreign, but um, uh, this is coming out in the States. Uh, it is uh, synopsis of this movie is a childless couple, uh, Maria and Ingvar, discover a mysterious newborn on their farm in Iceland. The unexpected prospect of family life brings them much joy before ultimately destroying them. Uh, so this is a new movie coming out, um, and check off for the anticipation level we're going to do for here. We're just going to imagine COVID doesn't exist in the world. We're going to imagine <laughs> your schedule is completely free for the next while. We're going to yeah. imagine that, like, you know, finances aren't an issue. Whatever. Like, literally any excuse you can can use to not see a movie as right. soon as possible is out the window. Um, so all of those excuses aside, how excited are you for this film? Would you catch it opening weekend? Would you wait for a discount night? Um, because you're not just that interested. Would you wait till you can rent it at home? Wait till it's on the streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in seeing Lamb? Well, after you said that it came from like A24, and A24 has been coming out with some pretty interesting movies, but I ended up like falling in love with them, like Hereditary and like Midsommar. And I want to say uh, The Lighthouse. Yeah, The Lighthouse. That was another one. Oh, I hated one. The Lighthouse, but oh, I'm no. in the minority. <laughs> Look, but, <laughs> people either love or hate that movie, and I hate. Right. It. I also hated the Green Knight, but um, so I'm clearly wrong. So, <laughs> so, but <laughs> with the uh, with Lamb, I think with this one, um, I like watched the trailer when they like when they first hit the when they first showed the trailer. Um, with this one, I think I would actually wait until I could rent it because it like it. It seems kind of, to me, it just seems kind of wild. But, I mean, I love movies like that. But I think, mm-hmm. for me, I would just wait 
until I can like rent it off a of Redbox. I'm not like in a rush to like actually like go out to the movies to go it to go see it. I would just wait. So I'm like in the comfort of my house and just like chill and just like be able to like focus on it without like being surrounded by people. I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's like one of those movies that you would have to sit at home and just be able to pay attention and like actually focus on it. Mm-hmm. So I would wait. Yeah. I would wait. Yeah, I mean, A24 has got a lot of good stuff under their belt. You know, uh, I already mentioned Green Knight and uh, Lighthouse. Um, Zola came out earlier this year. I don't really know anybody like that. Um, Val was apparently made by them. The Amazon. I read about Zola. Yeah. Uh, Minari, um, First Cow, Uncut Gems, Waves, Lighthouse, The Farewell, Midsommar, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, Let's see. Mid-90s. These are all just like, I think, the ones that people would recognize. Uh, Eighth Grade, Hereditary. Um, yeah. First Reformed, Disaster Artist, Lady Bird, Killing a Sacred Deer, Florida Project, Good Time, Ghost Story, It Comes at Night. Uh, they've really worked up an impressive filmography. Moonlight, yeah, of course, Best Picture winning. Moonlight. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. The Lobster, Green Room, Disaster Artist, Witch, all that. Um, my favorite uh, A24 film is Ex Machina, uh, and I'd probably follow that with like... Um, I forgot about yeah. that movie. I didn't even know that was A24. <laughs> I was like, I've seen so many A24 movies. It's like, you don't know until you like start naming them off. And it's like, wait, I'm like, I've seen that. It's like, oh. so yeah, I was like, I, I think, totally forgot about Ex Machina. I think Ex Machina was the one that kind of put them on the map as a force to be reckoned with. And then, you I know, coming so, out too. with just all those ones back to back. I really like most of the films on the list. I, I, I also hate Uncut Gems, but um <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, you know, but I love, uh, I think like my, my kind of top tier A24 is, um, I love Ex Machina and I really love First Reformed as well. Um, and I think The Lobster is way better than it ever should have been. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of some of my like go to, like, really love these. I'm kind of uh, mad though. I'm kind of mad because I started watching The Lobster and then for some reason I never went back to finish it. Like, I literally was watching it maybe had like a half hour left and for some mm-hmm. reason I turned it off and I do not know why I never went back and now I'm kind of you gotta mad go back it's worth it. it so I have to go I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it from the beginning so I can remember because I did remember watching it and stopped before I even knew what happened <laughs> so I'm gonna definitely gonna have to go back and rewatch the lobster so thank you for bringing yeah. that up <laughs> oh for sure um <laughs> So A24 to me is one of those, I feel like there's a wide range. So I don't know that A24 has as much clout in in my mind as it does everybody. I mean, clearly they've released some good stuff. But you know, yeah. for me, for every First Reformed, they've also released The Lighthouse. And every Ex Machina, they've also released um, you know, Uncut Gems. Uh, like movies that I love compared to movies I hate. Um, right. So like to me, A24 does not necessarily just mean it's going to be good. But it does have my interest because when they do things well, they do it really well. Um, yes. I am really excited for Lamb. This is an opening weekend for. Um, I think this looks like one of those perfect um, films that is, um, in 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 all ways, what the Lighthouse should have been. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I it looks small and gripping and intense with not actually a lot going on. It looks like there's going to be some great performances and a lot of yes. like overarching um, like messages a24 is pretty blatant about like a lot of their movies are like symbolism or they're like metaphor or they're like hyper realized to make a point about society or something like that um so i think uh i'm really excited for lamb i think uh if this came out on any week other than 007 
week, um, this would easily be like, I think it would get more talked about. Um, yes. But this also looks like a very different movie than 007. So I feel like they're just the only yes. ones that have the balls to go up against the box office for it. Um, if this is playing around me, I'm going to go try to see this as soon as I can. Because um, uh, I, I, I think this just looks incredible. Um, so you just, and you'll I, have to let me know. You have to let me know how good it was. You have to let me know. I, I mean, look, you got you got Numi Rapis is like the the really recognizable name. Yes, um, she's she's starring in this, and she looks incredible in this. And uh, I don't recognize the director who also was a co writer on this. Um, uh, let's see, he did the t- t- special effects for Tomorrow Wars and Rogue One, camera for Oblivion. Okay. Um, so he's got like a technical background. He hasn't, he directed a short before that and this is his only writing credit. So like this could be, you know, when, when those writers kind of come out of nowhere, like, mm-hmm. you know, Damien Chazelle with Whiplash or something like that. Um, Such a good movie. or, or this could be, you know, awful. Um, <laughs> I, 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 t- I lean on the side of this looks incredible to me. Uh, it looks like everything yeah. I want in, uh, in a film like this. So. Um, yes, yeah. I'm gonna have to check it so. out. But <laughs> well, I'll make sure to let people know when I see it. Yes, uh, please do. <laughs> uh, I I just don't know if if and when it is playing near me. Uh, but October eighth in the states, um, you know, is is when this comes out. Uh, my guess is it's because it's foreign um, that it's not going to have a super wide release. But I have an indie right. theater in town that I'm pretty sure. Um, so. Oh, I have a a Marcus Werenberg theater that's going to be playing it as well. Awesome. Um, not not the kind of theater I expected it. This Midwest <laughs> Midwest chain to be playing a film like this, but they're just giving okay. it like one showing a day. So, uh I'm going to be there. I'm going to do it. All right. Uh, so, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll convince Jake to come down and see it with me cuz <laughs> kind of halfway this is kind of halfway between us. So, um anyway, um I don't have any other thoughts because this is a very like minimalistic trailer. This is very yeah. Um, it look it just looks like you just got to kind of let yourself to this movie. And I would yeah. almost encourage maybe don't check out the trailer. Well, nah, I, I'm not necessarily going to say that. Um, I think this is one of those films that I think you maybe want to know a little bit what you're going in for. Um, I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my wife and I went to a play, a local play here last night, and we had no idea what we were getting in for. And we showed up as like, oh, oh this is what we're getting in for. And oh. it was one of those like, you know, gives you like vibes of like mm-hmm. indie horror pretentious stuff. Uh, and uh, oh. it turned out to be turned out to be that. Um, but we had no <laughs> idea what we were getting into. And uh <laughs> Uh, so like, you know, just to kind of, just to kind of get yourself settled on, oh, this is what I'm going to see, but I'm telling you, this looks incredible to me. So yes, very excited to see this. Um, do you have any other thoughts or are you ready to talk about 007? I would say let's get into some James Bond. All right. This is of course the 25th Bond film. This is uh, Daniel Craig's last outing um, as the titular character. Um the synopsis for this film is James Bond has left active service. His piece is short-lived when Felix... Uh, an old friend from the CIA turns up asking for help leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Ooh. All right. This is a uh, lot of things going on in this movie. Let's we'll kind of get them out of the way. Daniel Craig's last outing. We got mm-hmm. uh, uh, Leah Sadu. I don't, I'm totally butchering that name. It's French. Fine. <laughs> Returning from Spectre. Ben Winshaw. Ray Fiennes coming back. Jeffrey Wright coming back. Um, uh, Roy Kinnear coming back. Uh, Christoph Waltz coming back a lot of, but a lot of new additions too. We got uh, Billy Magnuson coming in, Lashana Lynch, 
uh, Rami Malek playing the villain and Ana de Armas playing yes. um, another person. Uh, I, I don't know if she's supposed to be a Bond girl or not. Um, she's definitely supposed to be too. like, she's definitely supposed to be like a pretty face to look at. That They've been yes. doing really good about giving them more than just pretty faces to look at in the Craig era. So right. I'm sure she's going to be much more than that. But she is for sure at least yes. in, you know, sex appeal for the movie. Um, yes. <laughs> So, uh, and also, uh, this is, of course, by the, the writers that have been making, um, uh, making them Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, kind of guiding this, uh, but also co- uh, screenplay credit and director, um, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, yes. um, which is um, probably most known for uh, True Detective. So, um, I'm trying to remember, this was originally supposed to have a different director. This was supposed to be... Oh, um, gosh, uh, it wasn't Aronofsky, um, but it was another one that was just like um, really interesting. Just, you remember? Um, it, it was Danny Boyle. Danny it Boyle, Danny right. Boyle. Danny Boyle was originally attached to this. And gosh, I'm going to be interested to whenever Danny Boyle is allowed to talk about the direction he wanted to take it and why he left the project. But right. honestly, getting, he's a good director, getting, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, getting Fukunaga here is more exciting. Um, yeah. I'm in the I'm in the opening weekend. I've already got my tickets uh, to go see it Thursday night in IMAX. Uh, what about you? How excited are you for this one? Because since it's uh, Daniel Craig's last outing, and um, I was actually like a fan of the last two movies that came out, like Spectra mm-hmm. um, and uh, Skyfall, and seeing that Rami Malek is like the main villain, I was just like, I'm definitely want to. I definitely want to go see this like opening night. Like this is like the one that I kind of want to see because I mean we've been waiting for what. Might as well say almost two years for this. It was supposed uh, to be last year, yeah. right? Was it last year? It was supposed to come out April last year and then got delayed yeah. till now because of COVID. But right. there was other things. I think there was reshoots and rewrites and injuries on set that you're right. This was supposed to come out two years ago initially right. when they initially announced a release date. Um, yeah. And then so, it got pushed back to April 2020 and then the world went to hell. So, right. So hopefully like now that is, it feels like it's worth the wait. So it's like, all right, I'm like, let's go, like, let's go get our tickets. Let's go find our seats, get the popcorn. Let's, let's watch it. Because I feel like with it being his last film, it's just like, you have to see it on the big screen. Like, I don't want to wait for it to come out on like Redbox or streaming. Like I want to like be front and center. Yeah. I just want to see it all. <laughs> Yeah, and this is a really interesting one, too, because I know a lot of people that just couldn't care less about this movie at this point because right. they have heard nothing. You know, they've been seeing advertisements for it for two years and they kind of fatigued by it. And like, right. I just I just don't watch regular TV anymore. And like, I choose to Same. just like ignore a lot of like people on Twitter that tend to do that kind of stuff. Like, I don't watch the trailers Same. frequently. So like, I just. I don't feel fatigued. I mean, sure, this feels like a lot, but understanding it's been postponed two years. Right. Like, and, and sure, this has had more attention than, because this was kind of one of those, like, all right, if No Time to Die gets pushed back, everything's getting pushed back again. Exactly. Uh, you know, but like, this has way more marketing than, you know, like, this isn't even the last of the big blockbusters got pushed back because, like, Ghostbusters is coming out in a month. And that yes. one was also supposed to come out, but it got pushed back. Exactly. Uh, but they didn't over market the crap out of it. And they really did for this one. So I yeah, understand people's fatigue. I do not feel it. Um, oh, this trailer doesn't necessarily do it for me. It doesn't make me really hype. But everything about the casting, um, right. everything about this being something about the way that these Craig Bonds have built off of one another to yes. lead to something grand and epic, which was Spectre and wound up being pretty okay. Not, not a great yeah. movie. 
yeah. that it, not not anywhere near as good as it should have been. Um, it almost feels like Spectre was the natural end for this arc, and No Time right. to Die should would have been like a you know uh, either a transition film or you know a, a new a new Bond taking the role. It almost felt like this should be another one of those. Right. So just because of the way that Spectre ended and all that, and uh, I'm excited to see more Craig. He's my favorite Bond, mm-hmm. um, but okay. I I really just I can't quite get as excited. And part of it too is Casino Royale and, and Skyfall are to me the two yes. best Bond films ever made. Yes. And so there's part of it that's like, hey, look, they made these amazing movies, so they could also make amazing movies. But then there's also parts of it where it's like, all right, well, you know, just how can they ever live up to the reputation I, that Casino Royale and Skyfall have? Right. So like the piggyback off of you when you were saying like, um, when you, with the last trailer when you say you weren't like hyped i wasn't either because like when they showed that very first trailer i was like oh my this is gonna be like so good like i can't wait like for someone who who's someone who is a who is the daughter of a bond fan and i'm not a bond fan (laughs) like my dad like loves bond so um like he he can talk about it nonstop, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? But like seeing Skyfall, <laughs> seeing Skyfall, and not seeing like any other one, like that was mm-hmm. like the very first one that I actually sat through and watched and enjoyed it. I was just like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, maybe my dad is making a point. Like these are like actually like this is like a really good movie. And then mm-hmm. um, and then of course I like I love Adele. So when she did the thing for that, I was just like, I was sold. And, yeah. and so when they did Spectra, I was just like, we went to the go, we went to the movies to actually go see it. So I was like, oh, I'm like, maybe this one would be good. And then I just remember sitting there and I was just like, I'm like, how did they drop the ball? Like, you go from Skyfall to Spectra and it's just like, uh, I'm like, okay. So like with No Time to Die, when I saw the trailer for that, like, I have to agree. I feel like No Time to Die should have been like either, um, either been another bond or it should have came out before like spectra i think because of it yeah and so like grand well that's so that's the biggest flaw like the biggest thing i have against this movie is spectra really feels like a natural conclusion to casino royale quantum of solace and skyfall and how i just how do you go from there because you've just introduced blofeld who's bond's ultimate uh nemesis right and you have daniel craig exiting this role um like how how do you how do you up the stakes and up the like how do you make this movie feel bigger because and and i mean i mean there have been franchises that have proved me wrong too because you look at something like when the first avengers came out right yes all all of a sudden now you got to ask yourself how do you possibly make something more grander than this and at the end of the avengers they tease thanos and you're like that's how you do it that's exactly how you do something better than this um or, or something more grand than this and i just I feel like Spectre laid all its cards out on the table and was like, we're just going for it because we're not sure if Daniel Craig's going to sign another contract. Exactly. Uh, so, so kind of where do we go from here? And um, I, I just, I don't, I, I just don't know. I hope I'm wrong, um, but I just don't know how you get bigger. Um, and you don't necessarily need to get bigger. This could be a small contained story, but it mm-hmm. also looks like based off the trailer and everything, they are trying to continue this story. And Blofeld to still be kind of working things. And it's just like, you know, they have Blofeld in prison. I'm sure he's not going to be in it by the end of the movie. I don't know anything about the movie. So this is just me speculating. Me either. You want that guy (laughs) to be kind of freelancing out there. I just, I I just am so curious to see 
you know, you can have a bunch of your small little one-off movies. Skyfall is very much a not connected to the larger universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of felt like a small passion project. I, I honestly think that's probably what Bond should become. Um, just yeah. take directors that are passionate about it. You, you said you don't know how they dropped the ball with Spectre so hard. I was talking about this with Heath and Shane last week. Mm-hmm. I think you can tell S- Skyfall was a passion project for Sam Mendes for years. Right. And then they're like, hey, we loved that. Will you do that again? And you just can't like make a passion project because no. um, he didn't want to do it at first. He initially, initially turned down the role. And then they're like, what if we gave you a dump truck of cash? And he's like, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to do another one too, but I, I think he always knew I've peaked with Skyfall. Um, right. The franchise arguably has peaked. And if it's going to continue to rise, I cannot be in charge. I cannot do right. this. So um, anyway, I, to me, it's just, it feels like, I feel like we're at the point right now where it's like, I'm just about to see the Avengers and I'm wondering like, yeah, you've announced Iron Man three and Thor two and Captain America two and all that. But like, those are never going to be as big as this. And they weren't. No, no, but Avengers infinity war was just around the corner. And that was so yes, (laughs) I, I just, I hope that, uh, I hope that I'm proven wrong. Um, it just feels like the stakes aren't anywhere near as high. Um, Right. So I'm like, I hope I'm not disappointed. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. the main thing. I don't want to be disappointed again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and since the states are pretty much the last area of the world to get this film, it seemed to be yes. pretty much worldwide last week. Um, you know, I try not to take reviews into account, but, you know, it looks like it's getting about the reception that you would expect. Um, and as long as people aren't hating it, then right. then that's fine with me, you know. Not like when those first reviews Spectre came out and like, hey, you remember how two of the last three Bond movies are the two best? <laughs> and and there was also one of the worst stam- sandwich in there. This is just oh, kind no. of a meh. Like that's that you know that was when those Spectre early reviews came out. But you know people seem yes. to be generally at least more excited about this than Spectre. So I'll take that. Yeah. Um, and I would I don't think I've seen anybody yet that said that Quantum of Solace is better than this. So um, it's hard to be worse than that. And I feel like that was the one. I think that was the one we went to see. I think that was the one i think that was the very first one i saw i think in theaters and i fell asleep yeah that's that's about right yeah yeah i fell asleep but, but every everything about this looks right um you know yeah. Kerry Joji Fukunawa coming in uh craig returning um rami malakas as villain i think is great bringing in loshana yes. lynch also great um ana de armas is to me the best thing here because she is yeah, if she's not number one, she's number two. Is my like all time celebrity crush right now? Uh, yeah. uh, Billy Magnuson. I, I mean, like, dude's awesome. I uh, I'm yeah, interested I was to see like kind surprised. of what he's gonna play. Yeah. yeah, I was definitely surprised to see his name. Oh yeah, so, I didn't like, even know he was excited. in this movie until me I was looking either. at the credits. I was like, all right, <laughs> sure. <laughs> the uh, same thing with me. I was like, wait, I like I knew everybody else. His his name was the only one I like did not see until I actually looked. At like the yeah. casting credits. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I get why people are burnt out. I get that maybe people mm-hmm. don't care about this franchise. I get that, Same. you know, it seems like every other one of these are, are good movies and every other one of them are far from great. Um, right. But uh, that's not going to stop me from seeing any 007 movie opening night, <laughs> especially if they keep on consistently making them this, this, this good. So, yes, it's like as long as you can uh, keep my interest, I will, I will stay. I will stay now. Yeah. If we <laughs> start to get back train. to the, you know, the Bronson eras or the Roger Moore eras, then I'm like, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll yeah. still see it, but maybe I'll just wait. <laughs> oh, awesome. 
Uh, well, are you ready to talk about the Civ topic? Sure. Let's do that. Uh, so we, we've talked about the movies that are coming out this week, so it only makes sense that we should talk about movies that came out 20 plus years ago. Yes. Uh, do you want to start with Zombie Island or The Cyber Chase? We can totally start with Zombie Island. I, let's do that. I say let's go. All right. <laughs> uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie <laughs> Island. Uh, maybe this is a, a film that all of a sudden you're remembering exists. Uh, this is a 1998 uh, Scooby-Doo animated movie. Um, let's see. A synopsis here is the mystery gang reunite and visit Moonscar Island, a remote island with a dark secret. Daphne wants more than just a villain in a costume, and they get more than they ever expected. Uh, yeah. If you're interested in checking this out, you can grab a VHS if that's uh, a thing um, that you <laughs> have in your in your house uh, still. Uh, there are DVDs that exist of it, and uh, if you subscribe to Boomerang, you can check it out on yes. Boomerang. Um, so, uh, ways you can watch it uh, if you're interested in revisiting it. Uh, Chantal, before we talk about our experience watching it now... I want to know, like, what's your history with the movie? How many times have you seen it? Um, when's the last time you've seen it? What were your Ooh. feelings about it, you know, kind of kind of growing up? Uh, just what was your memories of this film before watching it in the last you know week or so? So, like you said, it came out in 98. I was 12. Mm-hmm. So um, it was around that time where I was starting to get into, like, well... Actually, I was like already into horror movies. Like my parents couldn't even understand how at at my age I was like younger than twelve, and I was like into horror movies, and they were just like, "What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "I just like these movies." <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember the first time it came on, it was Cartoon Network. It was like when they did like their first premiere of it. It was on Cartoon Network, and I'm always been like, "Who isn't a fan of Scooby Doo?" I mean, the Mystery Gang. Like, who's not a fan of oh, Scooby Doo? Yeah. So. I I remember watching it for the first time and I was like legit scared. I was like, even though it was like a cartoon, it wasn't real, but I, it literally had me scared. <laughs> like I would yeah. just, I was just sitting there and I just remember there would be like these scenes of like zombie, you know, like the zombified, like, um, like the zombified like pirates and the mm-hmm. like visitors who were like, who ended up on this island. And I just remember that being more that being more scary well being scarier than like an actual like zombie movie that I've seen before when I was a kid. So I just remember just sitting there when it was done and I just like fell in love with it because even though it wasn't like your typical like Scooby Doo and the gang type of thing where it's like, oh, it's like the villain is such and such and they take the mask off and he's like it's like I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids and it wasn't that. Always. It was it was more than that so i remember the first time i was like scared (laughs) the first time i got scared was when um daphne like took down like one of the zombified like pirates and and fred was like it was the gardener you know like trying to pull like trying to like pull his face off and it's not a mask and he like when he pulled it off so hard that he like snapped the head off i was just like I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm like not used to that. So it like literally like put me like in a shock state because I was like, Scooby Doo, like 
I'm like, you guys don't <laughs> do this kind of stuff. So it, it, even though it still had like, it made you feel like real danger for the gang because it's like, oh no, it's like they can't get out of this one like they like they're used to. So it's like you had real danger, real scares, and even though it was supposed to be like scary, it still had like its lightness to it. Like they still had like their little comedic flair to it with like Scooby and Shaggy, and when um, and so that for me was like one of those movies where it's like this has to be like my favorite Scooby-Doo movie like animated wise because I feel mm-hmm. like it was like the first Scooby-Doo movie animated that I've seen and I actually like sat and enjoyed it so I will watch it like every time they would show it like if they had it like back to back I would be like front and center just watching it it didn't matter how many times I've seen it so it's like so it came on 98 I think every time they would show it like around Halloween I'll be like okay I'm like I can't watch anything else like this is on my plate. Like, this is the one I got to watch. So I, wow. I think the last time I saw it before last week, before that, oh, I remember it had to be like a few months ago because it was actually on Netflix for a while. And I like, oh, wow. was so, it was like, I was surprised to see it on there. I was like, oh my God, I'm like Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. So it like, so I was like, I kind of just went back and watched it for the memories because it had been like years since the last time I seen it. I know it had mm-hmm. to be years because I I know that like Cartoon Network wasn't playing it as much anymore and and sadly I don't have a DVD or the VHS so it's like the only way I can catch it is by streaming so but yeah I think it would have to be like a few months ago it was like the last time I watched it before watching it again just recently yeah it's uh it's been 15 years since I've seen this movie I'm sure uh, that would have put me at like 10 years old uh, that sounds about right um yeah uh, this is probably the two movies we're talking about today are my two most watched Scooby-Doo movies, for sure. Um, this one probably beats it out just barely um, uh, in terms of what I, in terms of seeing it. Um, you know, I, but I, for sure, like these were the two that I kept on going back to. And there was a couple other ones that I like, like I know Reluctant Werewolf yeah. wasn't really, was one I watched a lot. And, and the, of course the Boo Brothers was one I watched a lot of, a lot too. And for some reason, the Arabian Nights one, um, I'm interested to see if that one's actually good or if it was just, that was my exposure to the Arabian Nights tale. Uh, anyway, um, I, so I remember like those, and of course, uh, Scooby Doo meets Batman was also one of my like top watched ones. But I don't think I've seen any of them in a long time. Maybe the Scooby Doo meets Batman one. I feel like I watched that one in college one random night. Um, oh, wow. I didn't but, even know they uh, do one with Batman. <laughs> oh, it's it's great. Like Adam West is 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 back. It's fits perfectly in that like era. Uh, That's awesome. It's really. It, it, I mean, it, it's, I haven't seen it in a while, but you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure it's perfect. Um, anyway, uh, the so this one I remember seeing a lot, but I also remember this one like actually genuinely being scary. Um, yes. You know, Scooby Scooby Doo can be creepy, um, especially when yes. you're a kid, uh, but very rarely scary. And um, I remember this one actually like being scary. And um, it, spoiler alert, it's, it's not. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I do remember that. And um, um, yeah, uh, I remember loving this one. Um, yes. Prob- probably being my favorite, if if not my second favorite Scooby-Doo movie of all time. Uh, with two of the greatest songs ever recorded for an animated movie. Um, at least 
that was my you know thought coming in here. So uh, let's talk about our experiences watching it now. Uh, Chance, all after seeing it again recently, do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? Or I think it's just okay. You know what? What's crazy to me is that I I still genuinely like it. Like I can literally sit there and still enjoy it. I mean, it's not it's not scary like anymore. Like when I was that age, yeah. but it just it just brought back that memory of like actually being like genuinely scared. But it was just like one of them fun. When it was like one of those fun like Scooby Doo movies. Like you just it was just in a it was just like one of them fun like I'm trying to think. It's like one of them fun like I guess you could say for me it was like one of them fun feel good kind of movies. Even though it wasn't like a feel good kind of movie, it was like one of those <laughs> ones. It's like one of those ones where it's supposed to like scare you like as a kid. So to me, it was scarier then, but now to me it's like more fun. So it's like yeah. I still like it. I think it still holds till this day after being like what, 20, 23, 23 years? Is it twenty three? Oh, this is nineteen ninety eight. So yeah. Yeah, twenty three. So yeah, so it's like I still I still enjoy it as I like as watching it. Like I wasn't doing I wasn't like doing anything else. I wasn't distracted. I was like actually just following the movie as it should be. It was just like it just felt like I was going back down memory lane again. So it's just like it was just a good feeling just to watch something when at a time when it didn't like when stuff didn't even matter. Mm. You were just there just to enjoy a film. Yeah, uh, I like this movie. I don't. Lo- I don't. I don't think I love it, but um, I like it. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely got some problems, uh, but I think there's a lot to really enjoy here. Uh, I think that this is a legitimately good Scooby-Doo movie. Maybe the best animated one because there's not necessarily a good track record. Um, Like in terms of like, I don't think they were ever necessarily good. Definitely not as good as the original series. Um, So I would still argue to say this is definitely in the conversation for the best of all time. And um, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, start. I'll start with, um, here's, here's one of the things I loved watching it this time, is that um, the, the movie, which is a crisp hour, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. um, doesn't have, like, you feel like movies like this, I mean, even there's a formula kind of with, like, MCU films right now, where they're like, your, your villains kind of do something, and there's something in the heroes fall short. And then there's some big final confrontation at the end. There is yes. no, there is nothing until the final confrontation. This is just a movie that builds and builds and builds to zombies coming up and then immediately yep. encountering with the final, with the final confrontation. And it's yes. like, it was really surprising. I mean, you do have a ghost spotting when, uh, um, when when Daphne's in the kitchen and then the yes. ghost pirate rides get out on the wall. Like you have that, but that is not an encounter. That is not the gang getting spooked. They just no. get spooked into the final, like literally into the final co- uh, confrontation. Yes. Um, and that was exciting to see because we got to spend time with the characters. Yes. Um, especially since this is kind of a different take on them. Um, this is, uh, we got to spend some time kind of setting up what are their lives apart from Mystery Inc. Um, where do they go? And we got to set up some um, kind of like history, I think was good. And you also can kind of see yeah. like they wrote it into like they're kind of tired of the old formula. So this is right. maybe one of the things that didn't quite work for me is everything in this movie is real. There are real zombies. There are real werewolf like right. creatures. There are real um, cat gods and real yes. like um, magic and and all that. And it's just, it's just not Scooby-Doo if the stuff is real. Right. Um, Scooby-Doo is a man in a mask, but I get they're yes. trying to challenge that formula a little bit. Right. Um, so 
Um, like I, I kind of, I kind of like what they're going for, but may, you can have something be real that's not zombies and mysticism and right. a bunch of those. Other, it just didn't, it just didn't feel like a Scooby Doo movie. This felt like some animated movie that was meant to go to like Disney or something, and they're like, uh, we like this, okay. but let's say we just make this a Scooby Doo movie." And they're like, sure, yes. why not? You're going to give me money for the script. Let's go. Uh, you can kind of tell that's like, th- right. to me, that's what it felt like. Um, so, um, so like, that's the- really one of my only negatives. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I like actually like wrote that down too, because I totally forgot about that as well. Like where at the beginning of the movie, we see them like on their last little, you know, like the mystery gang, it was like their last run and they like find they find a villain, take out the mask, they're manly kids. And then the next thing you know, it's like they separated. They have like their own careers now. And so mm-hmm. and so it's kind of weird to see the gang like for the first time being adults. Like they're no longer together, like taking yes. on mysteries. They're they're like on doing their own thing. Like Scooby and Shaggy are working at the airport. You got Belma working at a bookstore and like Daphne has her own career with Fred by her side. So so it was yep. like weird because it's like you didn't know where the movie was going to take you until they like reunited and they decided that they're going to do this one more last thing. And I have to agree with you as well with the whole, um, I guess, with how they how they um, portrayed everything. Like because this being like the most with a darker tone than any other production of Scooby Doo. It was more like you said, like with the supernatural creatures than like a person in a mask. So it was kind of like they were trying to venture off into something like they were just saying like, oh, let's try something different. Like, let's see what else we could do. And it like it did work, but it also did feel like it wasn't like a Scooby-Doo production. It felt like it yes. could have been like something else. So I do agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, kind of like what we're talking about, not, not necessarily fitting, but also like... This is something I really didn't mind. Um, I like the backstory here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this was a really interesting premise. Like, I like uh, um, it's it's. Uh, by the way, like full spoilers for this. Uh, I'm not going to try to dance around it. Um, but <laughs> at the end of confrontation, where you have the the gang up against the the, I'm going to call them werewolves. I don't think that they're supposed to be werewolves. They're just supposed to be like kind of reminiscent of werewol- werewolves. Right. Um, but when they go into the history and they said, we had this peaceful little village and then pirates came in and honestly, very reminiscent of like, you know, American colonists and native Americans, yes. but, yes. um, which I, I think was the point. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and they're like, we, we were here enjoying our land and then these pirates came and just like, and honestly it got dark there for a little bit. Cause they show, they're like, they chased them into the bayou and then they show a bunch yes. of people in the bayou and then a bunch of alligators coming in. I'm like, Jesus, this is a kid's movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Gotta cover your eyes. <laughs> but then they, uh, but then they said, uh, um, then they said um, that uh, like they, they kind of they kind of show what's going on, and then they have right. Um, um, they have uh, uh, this 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 thing of they're like, well, we didn't go into the bayou. We kind of held off to the side, and we asked for courage right. to and strength to fight them, and and we did. I was just like, I really like this backstory, and the fact that they made the the zombies the good guys. I appreciate yeah. that too. Yeah, um, because that's a different kind of fun. thing. Because that was a different kind of thing. Because we're always used to like the zombies being like the villains in the movies. Like you're like trying to like survive them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in this one, it was like I think it was either Daphne or Velma where they were like the zombies were trying to you know they were trying to tell us like 
that they're good, you know, that, that they're good. Like, they're not bad. They're, like, trying to get them away from the island because they didn't want them to have the same fate as what they ended up having. So I right. actually like that as well, where they made us seem like, oh, they're the scary ones when it's actually the actual humans who owns the island are the scary ones. Yeah, I I, I liked that a lot. Um, because it also, they made them, they made them real, mm-hmm. but they also made them friendly uh maybe yes. not friendly but warning you know <laughs> um so they did make them real but it wasn't just uh like i i feel like it was genuinely kind of scary but like i feel like that was they did a decent balance yes of uh of saying yeah they're real but um it, it's not meant to be like let's just have zombies because zombies are cool right so uh, which zombies are cool, by the way. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, the other thing about this uh, that I'll mention next is uh, this movie is in a lot of ways ahead of its time. Um, there was one moment that I noticed in particular where um, it's when they encounter the first zombie and Fred rips off the head. Um, yes. But but there's an arm that comes out and grabs Daphne on the shoulder and Fred's like, look out. And she's like, I can take care of myself. And she like right. whips him down. It's just like, <laughs> yes. this movie is like way ahead of its time because... That that is Daphne's character from the original show is hot yes. girl in distress and like needs saving like that's that's her role. Um, so it it in a lot of ways this was really ahead of its time and um, I was shocked by that. Yeah, it was just, it's it was just one of those. It was just like a really good scary type of movie. It, at that time, it may not have been for kids, but now I think like at this point, anybody can watch it and just. And it, it probably would be in agreement that it was like, if not the one of the, if not the best, but one of the best animated Scooby Doo. To me, I feel like yes. it's top tier. To me, I'm biased. I it's like my favorite one, so I'm like it's top tier. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would say this is top tier as well. But again, I, I just kind of right in the middle of liked it. Um, I didn't quite <laughs> love it. Um, uh, but yeah, so just right in the middle of uh, of liked mm-hmm. it. But that is easily enough to get to to top tier. Um, yes. Scooby Doo films, um, but it did it you know, didn't make me want to revisit a lot of the ones that I you know it, it made me want to go mm-hmm. back and watch more um, you know some of the ones that I have some good nostalgia for and um, you know yeah. this is a fun time it's this is this movie isn't super fun um, but it but it is a fun time it's not right you know it's not anywhere near as fun as you know like the original series um, yeah but yeah it's a fun time let's see uh, um, also the voice acting was really impressive for this. Because um, looking at the cast, and you have um, first of all, this to me is the Scooby Doo voices. Um, the other film that we'll talk about had a couple people that really felt off, but um, you know, you have um, um, Fred Fred uh, Frank Welker as Fred Jones, yes. Billy West as Shaggy, uh, Tara Strong, who's like voice legend, like yes. Nina, um, uh, Jim Cummings as Jock, and uh, of course uh, Mark Hamill in this. Movie, of course uh, which <laughs> of was course. really shocking uh, <laughs> and i just love loved that and uh scott uh Ines, i-n-n-e-s voice yes. in scooby-doo he seems to voice him quite a bit um yes so uh this is a great great cast um a lot of talented people at work i mean mm-hmm. this is like tara strong before she's tara strong arguably mm-hmm. the greatest voice actress of all time yeah because uh, i see her jim cummings who's also in the conversation yeah yes um Mark Hamill, who's also in the conversation. Frank Welker, who's also in the conversation. Billy West, yeah. who's also in the, like yeah. this is a who's who of incredible <laughs> '90s voice actors. Uh, exactly. So, 
Uh, it was really shocking to see. Yeah, because um, Jim Cummings does a lot of Disney stuff. So that's how I like, that's how I know Jimmy Cummings is because I'm like, he's Winnie the Pooh. I'm like, who doesn't know Jim Cummings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You. Um, the, the other thing I got to mention is uh, I mentioned the songs. Um, there are two songs. One, yes. when they're showing the montage of them, just kind of taking the mask every, off of everybody. And it's, uh, I think the title is The Ghost Is Here. Uh, they sing that a lot. If you are if you remember this movie, you're looking for a nostalgia trip, YouTube that. Um, yes. And uh, um, to, it, it was fine. Um, it's not as good as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but <laughs> It's Terror Time Again remains yes. one of the best songs yes. for an animated movie of all time. <laughs> because It's Terror Time Again is an absolute banger yes i'm like i found myself singing it the other night when i was watching it i'm like yes it's like this song right here is pretty golden like if you haven't heard it you have to definitely find it on youtube for sure yeah for sure if if this is a completely new experience for you uh first of all uh you know i would say go ahead and watch the movie um but if you're really just interested in in it just uh you know just just look up the it's terror time again sequence or maybe if you're kind of on the fence look up the it's terror time again sequence and then uh um, you know that might that might convince you to watch the movie. So uh, so for me, um, this was a good time revisiting. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I loved it in my nostalgia. I really liked it. Um, watching it now, uh, yes. I'll I'll watch it again for sure. Uh, and I'm Same. recommending if 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 whoever's listening is like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that movie in 15 years. I wonder if it's any good. I I if you liked it, you should like it. Um, if yes. you did, if for some reason you didn't, then I, I can't imagine you. Now. <laughs> And sure, if you have sure. never seen it, have no experience, if you like Scooby-Doo, uh, this is mm-hmm. one to check out. Um, if you don't, then uh, don't bother. <laughs> and if you have no experience yeah. with Scooby-Doo, watch the original series uh, yes. because this is mildly different. So. Most definitely. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm a lot of things. Did you have any other things you wanted to say about this one? Actually, I think we pretty much cleared it up. Great. It's like, so it's just a good movie. Good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's move on to Scooby-Doo and the Cyberchase. So I mentioned, uh, that this was, um, these were the two movies I've seen the most. Um, and so I also have a lot of nostalgia with this one. Uh, quick synopsis, uh, for you, if you're unfamiliar with this or want to get just reacquainted uh, with this. When Scooby and the gang get trapped in a video game created for them, they must fight against the phantom virus to escape the game. They must go level by level to defeat the game once and for all. Um... <clears throat> So my my history with this is again I've probably seen this one second most, uh, but I also remember this had a PlayStation One video game released to it, uh, really? and I played the heck out of that game um, <laughs> for sure because you get because you get a play in in the levels um, that they're showing you in the movie, and a lot of them are like montage, like so you get to play out those. Mm-hmm. It was great. I loved That's cool. it. Um, uh, I, I remember playing the video game quite a bit. Uh, I saw the movie quite a bit um 2001 so i was six at the time so like you know this is like perfect um like age for the scooby-doo type of stuff um you know i feel like 2004 was maybe the stopping point for after that but also you know you start to dip in quality um yeah and, uh, and all that and so um there was there was a dip i i don't know how any any of the ones are but also, like, a, this was before the live action one came out, too. So, yes, like, yes, the was. animated films were about the best the best you were going to get. Which I would love to cover the live action ones um, at some point on this. So, because um, I haven't seen either of them in a while. Same. Um, so, so I played a lot of the PlayStation 1 game. I played, or I watched this movie quite a bit. 
Um, and I have all the nostalgia for this one. Um, I definitely remembered this movie more than I did Zombie Island. Uh, really? Uh, I d- yeah, I definitely have had more memories of this one, um, uh, for sure. Uh, but that's my history, brief history. Again, I haven't seen it probably in 10 years. Um, so, and I haven't played the game in 10 years. So, um, Chantal, do you have history with this one? This is a, a, you know, five years later. So, so, like, unfortunately, I did not. Like, I think it was Zombie Island. And then after that, I was just like, I think I was like done. Because at that time when this came out, I was 14. <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm like, I'm a teenager now. I'm in high school. So it's just like, um, it's like, I don't have time, you know, for like, I don't have time for cartoons. So, <laughs> so I well, like. And, and if you're going to spend time on cartoons and, you know, like, there are better ones than the straight to DVD Scooby-Doo ones. Right. Out, you know? So, so at that point I was just like, I, I never, I, I never seen it. Like I never seen it at the time it came out. So like when, um, when we, when you chose this movie, it was like, when I watched it, that was like the very first time I ever watched it. Nice. So I'm like, this is like my, this is like my first time, like actually like watching this film. So Unlike you, I don't have I don't have the history of this one. I have more history with the Zombie Island than I do with this uh, with the Cyber Chase. That, look, that's fine. I definitely have uh, some of these episodes where it's like I've never heard of this movie, and you said let's watch it. I'm like, sure, uh, and I think it provides for some good because here's the thing: now you are a completely objective opinion, and I am still subjective. I'm still um, I still have things that are going to keep me my rating different, uh, and right. and. Or, or, or there's a chance we both kind of land in the same place. Um, but whatever. Anyway, um, I'll start us off. Um, so, again, I used to love this movie. Watched it so much. Um, on the like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay scale. I land. And it's just okay. What about same. you? I'm okay. going to say that it was just okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh. Uh, I'm trying to think of where to start. Um, I think this is very... Uh, it's a very gen. I don't want to say it's a generic story. Uh, <laughs> it's a really cool concept. There's a lot of things that were dated in it. The villain right. is present a lot, but almost yes. all he does is just laugh, uh, and that's about yeah, it. I was a little disappointed. Like you didn't get to see like the villain so much. It's like you saw him at the beginning, and then like you said, it's like when he appears, it's like he's just there to laugh, and it's just like. I'm like that's all you yeah. do. I'm like you don't do anything else. Yeah, so I kind of like fell flat on that with the villain part of this one. Yeah, the the shaggy voice also felt off for me. Uh, it was also done by Scott Hines this time. Um, uh, the the uh, the Daphne and the Velma were both a little off to me as well. The Fred was the same one from um, Zombie right. Island. So uh, Frank Walker. So because I um, actually noticed a difference too, like in the voices, yes. it was weird. Like you can actually tell a difference, and like you said, it was kind of off. Like it didn't feel familiar to me. It didn't feel familiar. Right. Um, yeah, it didn't feel like the gang that I know and love, which I which is weird because I said I remembered this one more. Right. Um, so. Um, I think there, like I said, I think there's also a couple things that it does really well and a couple things that it doesn't really well. Um, but I think, and I think the concept is intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot of moments where I'm like, that was ridiculous. And like understanding <laughs> I'm watching a Scooby-Doo movie, you know, uh, like there's a moment where Daphne gets in a sword fight with a um, samurai and um, wins with a broom. And it's like, nope. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
also like having nostalgia for this movie it was so clear to me from the very beginning who the person behind it is and all the clues that led them there i'm like it's it's definitely in your face about it did you know who the villain was before they revealed it well what's crazy to me it was like i guess i wasn't like paying attention i'm like i was watching it and it's just like i guess it didn't (laughs) click It, it didn't click until like the last minute and i was like I'm like, it was him, like, literally watching it. I was like, how did I miss that? It was, um, because it was, what was his name? Was it Bill? Uh, Billy? Eric. Eric? Okay. I knew it was like Bill. Wait, and- no, no. Eric and- was, either Eric was the friend and Bill was the, I think Eric was the mystery gang's friend. And you're right. I think Bill was the. Yeah. And it like. It either way, me- it's one of the two. Right. <laughs> it like, it literally took me way too long to figure out he was the one behind it. And it was just like. And then it's like, I feel like I would have to like go back and watch it and be like, okay. I'm like, now I know what Aaron was talking about. I'm like, all the clues are like completely like in your yeah. face. If if for some reason you go back to watch this again recently, you know, noon, uh, soon you'll see um, on the moon, the first thing he ever says is play ball. And I think that's the first like words he ever says. And in the Coliseum, there's the baseball diamond. And um, there's a lot more clues than just the ones that they say, but it is very baseball red. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense why this virus would have a personality that likes baseball. Like the only thing is like if the virus was created in the baseball game and mm-hmm. then just like transmitted to a different, that's the only way that makes sense. I don't, the, it, I mean, again, I'm criticizing a, a Scooby-Doo movie at this point for trying to have rational sense, but it's just like, I, it just doesn't. And for, and for a movie that tries to, um, and you know, the technology and all that, like I, Right. Me and my wife are just making jokes throughout this movie, and it made for a good time. But like, there's a moment where they like um, tra- tra- transport like Scooby snacks into a video video game, and then they come out, and it's like, do not eat those. <laughs> like, those have to be so toxic. And there's a point where right. the gang gets transferred out, and I'm like, and now they all have cancer. Like, <laughs> um, you know, uh, so that was that was a good time. But I, I think I think there's a couple things about this movie that really work well. Uh, but I want to talk about that. But I want to give you a chance to kind of express some things first. So it's like. So with me watching it, I was just like, um, because of course I'm going to go back to, I'm always going to go back to Zombie Island with this because it came out like two years, Cyber Chase came out two years after Zombieland. So with Zombieland being more of the darker tone compared to Cyber Cyber Chase, it's like they just decided, let's go lighter, let's do comedic flair, but still make it a mystery. To me, I just thought it was completely comedic. I didn't <laughs> I didn't feel like yeah. there was like a mystery to it at all. Like it didn't have like that same appeal to when you watch Scooby Doo in the mid- like, you know, Scooby Doo in the gang. Like it's not like that same they appeal. They try to. Yeah, they and tried they, to. Right. And they tried, but it 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 just didn't play out as to like what we were used to when it came to like this like any like Scooby Doo production. So Yeah, this is I feel like the same thing, and I feel like this is probably going to be a recurring thing for all of these Scooby-Doo movies, is that Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a script where there was people that got put in a video game, and they had to just beat the levels in order to get out. And they're like, we like it, but we don't love it. Can we use this for a sco- and rewrite it for a Scooby Doo movie? And that's what right. they did. Or would you write? Would you rewrite this and do a Scooby Doo movie? Um, and then they added the Scooby Doo stuff and released it. Like that, it feels like exactly. That. It's um, like they just dumped it all on top of this and like, okay, make it into a Scooby Doo movie. They try to force a mystery, but honestly, it was never about who created the virus. It was always about fighting the virus, and so right. Um, 
And with it not having, if it didn't have that whole idea of the virus, I would almost feel like it was like another Jumanji movie because you're literally inside a game Mm -hmm. and you got to work up to like all these levels to get yourself out. So I just feel like that's how I feel. I'll say this is that Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase is a better movie than Jumanji the next level because that movie is garbage. So, uh, <laughs> I love Welcome to the Jungle, but the next level Welcome is to the jungle. trash. Yeah, um, yeah. So the like the things that really worked for me about this movie were kind of the callbacks to the original series. Um, that whole carnival level um, where they have to fight the tar monster and yeah. um, the iron, iron face and uh, the creeper and um, uh, there was another one, uh, the uh, gator, gator growl. Yeah. Um, plus plus the virus like all that like that was fun and that worked yeah. and honestly I, I wish this movie would have been instead of what it is of hey here's a moon level and now you gotta do this because also like in this video game like if there is no virus like is was there already villains in these levels and they're and the right. virus just has them like tied up somewhere or like the, the levels don't really make any sense without a, an antagonist so like I, I feel like a better version of this movie is to you can have the virus um like maybe or like something or how about just remove the virus and have the have 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 eric beam beam them into the game or bill whoever beam them into the game and now they have to beat the levels and each level has an iconic exactly uh, villain behind it and you and you still have the whole thing of like oh it's not a man in a mask it's actually an alligator like so you have one level that has you know the gator and one that has iron face and you have one like just make this whole, make this whole thing a nostalgia trip and that would be a lot of fun um, yeah yeah and, and hit- still have your final level where now you have to face all of them yeah i think that would have been like the better idea instead of because to me it was pointless to have like you said the virus because like to me the virus didn't make any sense like he yeah. was just in and out like so it was like we really didn't need that that part like you could have just completely just scrapped that scrap that part out and just left it with just having like the different like you said the different like nostalgia like villains in like different levels and like you said like at the end just take them on all at once yeah um honestly i don't i don't think i have anything really more to say about this other than i will mention there is also a song in this i don't know if it's an original song um but you can tell here's the point where we get the song and it's at the carnival where um where they get into a montage of taking care of the the villains and there's this song that plays and gosh it's it's not good but it is it is a little bit like (laughs) earwormy and buggy and uh it's got this like beat to where they go like boom boom diggy diggy day or not and it's just like oh that's that's kind of fun like it's not good but it's fun and right uh, um and it's like been stuck in my head for the last couple of days and so um you know it's uh, um it's no it, it's no it's terror time again but it's maybe on the same level right. of the ghost is here <laughs> um so yeah no, i i feel like uh i feel like there's a really good movie with really pre- i get why young me would have liked this and mm-hmm. I, i'm really interested in revisiting the playstation one game again because i feel like that playstation one game is what i want out of this movie um so I, I feel like this would be good. I don't know if this is super in everybody's mm-hmm. like nostalgia because this is after Zombie Island. I feel like that's where a lot of it ends. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like I feel like Boo Brothers and Zombie Island are the two most most known. Um, you could throw in The Witch's Ghost. I think is uh, a pretty popular one. I'm kind of looking at some of them on the IMDb right now, but like uh, you know, Reluctant Werewolf. We already mentioned. Right. I mean, there's like Chill Out Scooby Doo might be one. I don't know. Uh, Ghoul okay. School maybe. 
uh, Alien Invaders was around the same time. Um, you know, maybe maybe some of those have a little bit more nostalgia play. But like, I, I feel like I, I I bring that up to say they did a Scooby Doo return to Zombie Island a couple years ago, and I didn't even um, know that. <laughs> I, I, it's on boomerang um but i don't i don't think people really like it uh but but i'd be interested in checking that out because i love scooby-doo on zombie island and even if exactly. it's just a remake yeah. fine um i think this i think this would be a good source material to just remake a scooby-doo movie um embrace some of this some of the silly i mean technology has come a long way in the last 20 years it really it has. hasn't aged well um this movie hasn't aged well um and uh <laughs> Uh, in terms of just that, I mean, it, it still has a couple of those things where Daphne's not a, just a damsel in distress. Like yes. again, it's pretty, pretty okay, but um, uh, about about that stuff. But the technology, it tries to be ahead of its time with technology, and it's just like, yeah. oh, this is really dated. Watching it <laughs> twenty years in the future, um, I feel like this could be a good source material for a remake. Just embrace some of the silly, and you yeah. kind of make this a level by level nostalgia for some of the old monsters. Um, that could be kind of fun. Uh, but as it stands now, it's really just okay. I, um, <laughs> do you have any other notes? I'm out. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, yeah, I'm tapped. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we're going to get into... Um, um, we're going to get into the... like. Uh, I think if you have nostalgia for this movie, this movie is better in your, in your nostalgia. Uh, don't watch it. But I, but I also think like if you don't... If you have like just Scooby-Doo love... And you like have kids, right. and you want to show them. Like there are certainly yeah. worse ones to show. Um, <laughs> this could be a fun time. I, just don't expect much because uh, it's got problems. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not like warning against you unless you have specific nostalgia with this one. This movie right. was much better in my memory. Yes. Uh, what about you? Would you recommend this to somebody um, in any situation? Um. Yeah. I'm like I. I would for sure. Just like if you like you said, like if you want to go down memory lane, and if you like, if you have like younger siblings or like kids, and you just want to be like, hey, like you want to know what like my you know like my movie was when I was a kid, and you just like sit them down like in front of a TV or whatever, and just like turn it on. So I would say I for me it's okay, but I mean for anybody else they could end up enjoying it like I did. So it's like you want to just give them a chance to feel that kind of nostalgia. So I would say yeah, I would. I would actually would. Cool. That's uh. There you go. You have it from us. So um, yeah, I would love to dig into some of these other Scooby Doo ones one day. I'd love to dive into live action ones. Uh, I think I think that could be a lot of fun. I think these are prime yeah. for. Um, you know, there all of these have some element of silly, so I think these are kind of yes. primed for how much can you look past them, and how much of these just simply rely on silly. Um, so um, let's uh, let's move on then. I think uh, I think we got to talk right. more about Bond today. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a fantasy cast, and so the roles that I have for fantasy cast obviously isn't everybody, but I feel like this is a good number. Uh, we have uh, James Bond, uh, M Q Moneypenny, uh, a Bond girl, or I guess you know could be a guy doesn't necessarily have to be a girl um uh, a henchman uh for the villain and a villain you know because i think these are kind of the staples for all of the all of the good bond movies uh, you know there are some of them that just have a villain they don't necessarily have a henchman but right um we're gonna go traditional 007 formula and we're gonna have a henchman in there as well um and we're gonna go through these kind of one by one um, right. we're going to go through these, uh, within that order. Um, and we'll each give an exa- give our, our picks for these. Uh, we're going clean slate. So, um, no more Ray Fiennes as M, no more Ben Winshaw as Q, uh, which I think both of them are terrific in the roles that they have. Same. Um, uh, 
no more. I'm blanking on her name, but I really love her as uh, uh, Money Penny. I oh, um, Naomi right Harris. Yes, yes, she's great as Money Penny. Um, so um, you know, either way, like we're just we're going full clean slate here. Um, I did not pick anybody from the list, but I certainly would not be mad at. Um, at keeping any of those three if you decided to but uh let's start off I, let's start off right here with the question right? everybody wants to know chantal who are you picking to be the next james bond okay so i like had i had few choices um i didn't want to go with like that typical one where everybody is like trying to go for like tom hardy or like henry cavill or like even yeah tom Elba. hardy henry cavill tom holland and tom hiddleston seem to be the names in the conversation right so um i went i feel like my list is diverse so with bond i went with harry and henry golding oh yes i really like this yeah so i went with henry uh henry golding like to me he has that look of course he has the accent um after seeing him in um a couple of roles like crazy rich asians and like the gentleman where and mm-hmm. crazy rich asian the uh, rich and like the sophisticated good guy and then you have him in the gentleman where it's like complete opposite where he's like this crazy money hungry like gun toting like you know bad guy but he's a lot of fun but he is like he is like great he like i fell in love with him like instantly and um I fell in love with him instantly in Crazy Rich Asians, but it's like I ended up falling in love with him more after I saw him in The Gentleman because everybody was so used to him being like the, you know, like the suave, debonair kind of guy. And when you see him in this movie, in Gentleman, it was like a whole different story. So for me, I was pretty much sold. I'm pretty much sold with him being like the next James Bond. Like you can, he's like easily be able to like bring in like the new generation, you know, with like a younger and hotter Bond and like the confidence, like the suits, you know, and like, and for me, I think with him, I, I feel like he should, like, bring back the martinis because I know with, like, Daniel Craig's character, he went with the beer. And people were, like, all, like, in an uproar with the beer. So I feel like... Oh, he was the be- Vesper Martini in Casino Royale, though. He orders it straight yes. out of the book. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so that's my choice for James Bond. It would be Henry Golding, for sure. Nice. I think that's a really terrific choice. I would not be mad if they picked Henry Golding as the next James Bond at all. Um, so that would be lots yeah, of fun it up. Uh, to see. Uh, he's, by the way, he's also terrific in A Simple Favor. Um, if you haven't oh, seen that one, he's so good I need that. to watch that. I didn't even know he was in there. i just so used to seeing like Blake Lively and Anna what's what's her Kendrick. name anna thank you anna Kendrick. like that i only saw them i didn't even know he was in that now i would definitely have yeah. to watch that yeah and honestly it's a great movie by itself but uh yeah he and he plays that kind of suave uh sophisticated debonair type so um all right so i originally wrote down but i changed my i changed my thing uh, mm-hmm. right after i wrote it down um i think one pick that uh, both, b- by the way, neither of my people are unknowns, um, mm-hmm. but neither of them are attached to franchises at this point. So um, I feel like they would work. Like, I feel like there was no way they would cast the current Superman. Uh, and there was right. no way they're going to cast Loki because people can't see past Loki. And there's no way they're going to cast Tom Hart. Like, there is no way they're going to cast people who are so integrated to the roles that they play. Uh, mm-hmm. They need somebody that's like, you don't look at and you'd be like, oh, that's that guy. So... Right. Um, I originally I originally wrote down Eddie Redmayne. Um, he was um, okay. uh, Marius in uh, in uh, Les Mis, and he was uh, yeah. Stephen Hawking in Theory of Everything. Um, yes. He, he and he was most recently uh, Tom Hayden in Trial of Chicago Seven. Um, yes. I think he's an incredible actor. 
I um, love him. I don't know that he has done action as much, but Bond is as much about the sophisticated intelligence as he is um, the yes. action. And honestly, with the right choreography, anybody pretty okay at action. So, um, but I didn't pick Eddie Redmayne. Um, I would not be mad if it was him. Uh, but here, here's who I, here's who I'm picking. Um, I pick Andrew Garfield. Really? Yeah, I love Andrew Garfield. Uh, me and Robert are both Andrew Garfield stands, and um, <laughs> him so more than actor. me. Uh, he, uh, he is he's no longer Spider Man. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's in the new Spider Man, but like he is not right. in the main role, and he didn't even have enough time for people. I think people have already stopped seeing him as Spider Man because Tom Holland's already had more movies than him, right? Um, uh, and had you know a lot more to do with them. Uh, I think he's great in the Spider-Man movies. I think he's great in Silence. Um, I saw The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think he's excellent in that movie. Um, I, I think he's really good in um, just about everything I've seen him in. And the thing I always forget is he's from the UK. Uh, yes. <laughs> and if you hear him in interviews, he sounds so different than he does in the yes. US. So I, I love Andrew Garfield. And I think because you would put him in that UK role, I think there would be enough that people would be like, Oh, hold on. But I think he could play it really well. Um, we know he can do action. Um, we know he can do suave. Um, yes. I, I would, and I think you could have him for years to come um, if you wanted him. Um, and especially if they're going to only pump out these movies every three or four years. Right. You know, um, with, when somebody, when you cast somebody as old as Daniel Craig was, you knew you were only going to get him for four yeah. or five movies. Um, and I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that everybody needs to have you know eight or ten movies or whatever. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think Andrew Garfield be, would be an excellent pick. I actually like that. I actually like that choice because I am a fan of Andrew Garfield too as well. So I, I actually, I can actually see him as. I can actually see it. I can actually picture him as Bond. It would be a different take, yeah. and I think I would actually kind of dig that for sure. It'd be, it'd be, I mean, anybody you cast, it would have to be a little bit different. Oh, and Mm -hmm. I don't know how I mentioned Andrew Garfield without also mentioning the social network and Hacksaw Ridge. And, you know, he looks, he looks great in the upcoming Tick, Tick, Boom. He's maybe his best performance is 99 Homes. He's so good in that. That was another Um, movie I've been meaning to see. Yeah. So he's, he's got an excellent track record um, Mm -hmm. and he's kind of played enough of these characters. uh, So hold on. Sorry. Um, He is was born in LA. I said he's from yes. the UK. But when, he, but when he was three, he, he was yes. moved to the UK and he grew up in the UK. So so he is American born, mm-hmm. UK raised. So for clarification, because yes. um, I'm, I'm sure there was somebody that was getting mad. Um, but he does have a British accent, naturally, yes. but that also explains why he can do American. Well. Yes. Um, anyway, I think he's terrific. I think he would be a great casting choice um, and finally give him a franchise that he can work with. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that he's interested in that, but you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> so, so to compliment your Henry Golding as Bond, mm-hmm. who is M? M. So it, I was like literally like trying to figure out who I could put like place him with, and it was just crazy to me because it's like the only name that came to mind for me. I think it's because I'm like such a good, I'm like such a big fan of hers. It would have to be Viola Davis. For me, I don't know why it, Ooh, it's like it would yes. be Viola Davis because she's so well with like the authority, you know, role. Like we've seen it uh-huh. a few times with her as Waller in like the Suicide Squad and mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. To me, she could play anything. <laughs> it's like she could play anything and everything, and I would I would like see it as award winning. I'm like, yeah, it may not be award winning for that role, but I'm like, when she does it, it's like I feel like she understands the assignment. So I feel like like those two together, I think. It, it, I think it will work. So 
I could just see yeah, her just being that person. And she's so good in yes. Widows, and she's so good in Ma yes. Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, yes. Yes, this is a really good pick. Now, again, if you're going to cast her, you got to write the character a little bit different. Right. You know, the way the M has been in the past is like semi-stern, but pretty lax. Yeah. Um, this would be a little bit more stern. Um, I would like to, for them to go for like that widow's vibe. Yeah. Um, or, or like a Ma Rainey, you know, where it's like, I'll get what I want in the end, but yes. I'm not necessarily not. I don't want to, I want, I don't want her to be full blown Amanda Waller. Right. Um, I, I just think want her to switch pick. it up a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's like, I wouldn't um, want her to play that same role. It's just like, like you said, it's like still be like stern, like be stern, but like, you know, like not like how she was like, I will, you know, like how she was ready to kill everybody in like pro yes. suicide squad movies. Like, I don't want that. Like just reel it, like reel it back a little bit. And it's like, and she will be great as in. That would be terrific. Uh, to compliment my Andrew Garfield as, mm-hmm. uh, as Bond, um, I went with another actor who I think is a top three actor of all time um, and is of UK. Uh, he was born in the UK. I I think everybody has at least some UK uh, in them. Actually, never mind. I'll take that back. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> at least my bond in him. Um, I, tr- I tried to be like who could legitimately also like play British. Um, uh, although not all these roles necessarily say mean British. Um, yes. So, um, but definitely Bond would be. Uh, so for Idris, El- uh, Idris Elba is my M. I, oh, okay. Be, I would yeah, um, I that. I love Idris Elba, um, and I know a lot Same. of people are asking for him to be the next Bond. And God, yes, I want an alternate universe where he plays James Bond. Yes, uh, <laughs> but he's even admitted I'm too old for the role. Well, let's put him in a different role instead. Yes, he would be a stellar M. Yes. Um, and you could make him be, you know, used to be a field agent, um, you know, and then, you know, got too old. And I mean, that opens the door for if you wanted to have prequels with him in a role. Yeah. Um, it, like ca- cast a younger person and kind of make him look like a younger. I'm not necessarily saying I want that. Right. Um, but if, if he if he is too old to play Bond, um, he could play M. And uh, yeah. I'm. 100 have him behind that. the have him behind the scenes he could still play he could still play this role to a t without having to do any of the action sequences i mean i don't i'd i'd feel comfortable giving idris elba literally any of these roles i think he could also make a really great cue yeah. uh i mean <laughs> maybe money penny but <laughs> 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 uh, no um i i think i also think he would make a great villain um yes because we know he can sure. play intimidating and all that all that but i i really think M would be the best choice for him. Uh, it's because he's got that. he's also got that age now where he kind of has like look i've been there before trust me you gotta mm-hmm. listen to me on this one uh, so there we go okay. uh so so then who's your gadget person who's your cue so my cue is um i don't know why he he was my first choice like when i thought of a cue he instantly came to mind i'm like i just pray that i'm not like gutting this man's name but it would be kumal uh najani oh kumal najani yeah yeah najani yeah he was like my first point uh he was like my first choice i kind of like blame silicon valley for that one um, okay. because he played, you know, he played the techie and, you know, in Silicon Valley. And I think he would be, he would make a great cue. Uh, I feel like he would kind of have like that comic relief in a way because the movies are mm-hmm. usually serious. So I feel like for Kumal, I think he would have like that comedic flair that would kind of like make the movie just, you know, just a little, you know, a little fun, like 
just mm-hmm. so that's how I feel. I think he would make a perfect cue in my eyes. I think he would be great, like you know, doing like a back and forth with like uh, my and you know my Golding as Bond. Yeah, I think that would be a great pick too. And you, I mean, it's not just Silicon Valley. I mean, he played mm-hmm. the same character. I first noticed Kamel Nanjiani in a TNT drama called Franklin and Bash, um, okay. where he where he was like a, a lawyer's assistant, but he was also a hermit and an agoraphobic person. Um, so uh, lots of lots lots of roles kind of put him in that like um, shy, nerdy, techie, geeky, something like that. Um, uh, so no, I don't think that's, I don't know. I'm really excited for what he's going to do in internals, but um, same. yeah, I think that's a great pick um, for sure. And, and you're right. It, you'd have to write it a little bit more comedic. Whereas yeah. the, the two cues have been a little bit more like their main character's trait is just frustrated. Um, so you'd, you'd have to make this a little bit more of a comedic role as opposed to yes. just like, you know, like, you know, are are you sure you're going to bring it back in one piece this time? <laughs> a little bit. He, he would need a little bit more comedy, and he would he would bring that himself too. Yes, he would. Um, all right, from my cue, I, I think this is to me just inspired. Uh, and again, I think you could also put this person in the villain, and that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Mark Hamill here um, because I <laughs> adore Mark Hamill, and he, he has an energy of him especially if you see him in pretty much anything besides star wars especially in interviews all that he yeah. has this energy to him that is just kind of fun and quirky and he just that's kind of how i like my cute like i like how this ben winshaw is kind of by the way i love ben winshaw in this role i think mm-hmm. i really hope he just plays it until he dies just like desmond <laughs> Llewellyn did um really hope um, really hope that happens, but I, I, I kind of, I, I think he has this fun quirky that would, you know, when you look at some of the Bond films, they're just showing off these really cool gadgets, mm-hmm. super boringly. Like I want him to be excited, be like, look at this thing, you know, it's, right. it's a pen, it's also a gun. <laughs> like how cool is that? And I think he would bring that fun kind of quirk. And yeah. Honest, honestly, I'm, I, I would even, you know, obviously Ben Winshaw's in the role still. Just have Mark Hamill come in as, as his dad one day, and <laughs> it's all good. That'd be great. Uh, so that's my pick for you. I would love that. Uh, all right. Who do you have for Money Penny? From, uh, for Money Penny, I was like racking my brain about it. And I'm like, after just seeing her in this film, I'm I'm, I'm biased. I, I love her. It will still have to be Naomi Harris. I'm like, I just love yeah. her as Money Penny. Like, I can't see anybody else because at first I was thinking like, I was like, Margot Robbie? And I was like, no, no. Ooh. I'm like, but I was like, I'm thinking like she would be like my second choice. I would think like Margot Robbie would be like a perfect money penny for me because mm-hmm. it's like you see her in like, because I think she's like proven herself to be like a great, you know, like she's becoming like a great, like a great actress. Like I like instantly fell in love with her in I, Tanya. So I was just like, and then after seeing yep. her in, um, what was that other movie that I saw her in? Um, Bombshell. Wall Street. Yeah, Wall Street, Bombshell. Like, and even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like she is like, mm-hmm. she's showing, she's like proving herself. So I feel like if, if it can't be Naomi Harris, I would have to, because I've loved Naomi Harris ever since I've seen her in 28 Days Later. So, mm-hmm. so if it wasn't Naomi Harris, which she was my first pick, my second choice would probably be Margot Robbie. Honestly, can't fault either of those. Uh, Naomi, you're right. Naomi Harris is perfect. Um, she's great. Um, and, and more so, I love that, like, this recent iteration, like, introducing her in Skyfall actually gave her mm-hmm. agency, actually gave her, like, she is a, a, a more than just a flirty Se- secretary. Yes. Um, 
uh, which has been pretty pretty much the case uh, for right. for all the movies. So like, I definitely want to keep that aspect. Although there is an element, I do want to up this, and this is why I would I'm totally fine keeping Naomi Harris as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is why I went with a different cast, uh, partly because I also just wanted to. Um, right. Um, but, uh, but I want to, I want to up the sass levels. I mean, I think there's like a, a, a still a sass with a Naomi Harris, but like mm-hmm. some of those older Bond movies, like she is just as sassy as she is flirty, if not more sassy. And a lot of times it's Bond doing the flirting as opposed to you get to the later, like Pierce Bronson one and it's money penny constantly just trying to get, you know, hit, hit on, uh, <laughs> hit on Bond in the first yes. ones. It's a lot of times her rejecting Bond, um, uh, you know, in a, sassy way i want to bring right. some of that sass back and uh oh gosh i'm torn between two but i'm gonna go with zendaya um, really i love because, I, my I, I love her that's wild because like um she's actually gonna be coming up but yeah she was like my other choice because i was oh, like cool. going back and forth i was just like i didn't know i was like could she be money penny i was like literally thinking about it but then i like switched it so but yeah i could totally my, see her as money penny for sure my other choice would have been Tessa Thompson, uh, but I feel like she'd have been great. Mm-hmm. She would have done the exact same thing Naomi Harris does, and why? Would, you know, if, I think the goal would be right. have a reason to cast somebody in a different way, and I think up the sass. Not that yeah. Naomi Harris couldn't do it, but up the oh, sass, yeah. somebody like Zendaya who can for sure <laughs> do that. Um, and again, kind of matches semi-close age with, uh, with uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, Bond Bond girl is just kind of the term, but who's your love interest? So that's where Zendaya comes in at. <laughs> okay, I chose Zendaya for the Bond girl. Because... Oh man, Henry Golding and Zendaya would be a power couple. Yeah. So and they're kind of like it's not like a big age gap between them, so it it could easily work like any kind of way. So it's like. For her being like, she was a Disney kid, but like after those years of being out, she's like literally proving herself to be a great actor. Like even though she's only had like a few movies under her belt and she has the show Euphoria on HBO, she's showing mm-hmm. that she that she's a natural and you can see it. Like you actually believe that this girl is not acting like she's actually is the person she's playing. So I feel like she could exude that confidence and she can exude the, you know, like her the sexuality which i feel like she would be the perfect fit and i feel like their chemistry between her and you know golding being as bond i think it would be like you said it would be like a powerhouse like i think they would be like really great with each other and i think she would yeah. work as a bond girl if not if not miss money penny like you said for yourself i think she would be a perfect fit for a bond girl i totally agree yep uh for my uh bond girl i um I want to do more like the the Quantum of Solace type of Bond girl, where it's it, it's in a lot of ways kind of a flirty um, sexual attraction, but not necessarily one that's just like, oh, here's here's somebody that's really attractive to look at, um, right. and and like that be like I want to give this person like agency, like I'm pretty like I want I think if I'm writing this movie, I'm having right. the Bond girl be some sort of like um, foreign operative that kind of works in tangent, very similar to like From Russia with Love. Um, you know, so having some some sort of operative for a different country, you know, maybe the CIA, um, and there's just yeah. like some chemistry going on between them. I'm, you know, that's that's kind of the way I would write this. And so, with that in mind, mm-hmm. uh, I picked Melissa Benoist. 
Um, she is the current Supergirl on the CW. Okay, I was um, like, I know her name. I was like trying to picture the face with the name. Okay, I know who she is, yes. So I'm picking her for both her role as Supergirl, which admittedly I haven't seen, um, but small clips and she looks excellent. Um, and she's also in Whiplash as the girlfriend. Uh, That's Nicole. right. Um, which is how I was first introduced to her. And I immediately fell in love with her. So yeah. uh, even though she doesn't have a lot to do in that movie. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of based off of both of those things going on there. She also has a small arc in Homeland, which again, I've seen clips of. Um, I think she's only in like two episodes. Uh, so we kind of know she can do some of the espionage stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I, 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 my ideal is you cast Melissa Benoist and you, and you have her be, uh, I hope I'm saying that right. It might be Benoist. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's from Colorado, but her name is French. Um, okay. uh, I'm ho- so I would say make her CIA that, stumbles upon bond um in the same mission even you can work in felix there as well if you want to just say like felix is working on something else and Mm -hmm. but he's sending somebody you know um whatever um so that's who i have have there all right um yes all right that means we only have two yes yes we do the henchman the right hand for your um for your uh villain uh the henchman Uh, yes. Who do you have to play that? So it's like I literally just I literally just drew his name out of like kind of like out of my head here because um, I actually chose even though I know he's probably gonna be like tired of doing these kind of movies eventually. I picked Dave Bautista okay. as a henchman. Yeah, yeah. I, like, he was just he, Inspector and he was perfect in that role. Yeah, yeah. So so it's like I think he he he's like the perfect fit. Like he he's like he could even be like he how can I put it? He doesn't have to have like any words or anything. Like he could just be there, you know, just like this silent type, but it's like, he's the type that will, you know, he'll kick your ass if he has, like, if he has to, like, he's the one who like gets his hands dirty. And I feel like Batista will not have a problem with, you know, getting into that kind of a role. So, and I've always, and I actually kind of like, I guess you could say I haven't, I didn't meet him. I actually kind of like walked past him <laughs> Once at like okay. a weight at like a weightlifting event, and I just remember you seeing like how like this man is like massive, and I'm just like how it's just like it's like it was amazing like just seeing this man in person, and so I just feel like he would be like the perfect guy for my for my I think for my villain choice when we get to it I think he would be like the pers like the perfect henchman in in my casting for like a Bond movie because I just think that he just has like that ferocity that he could like bring to the screen like he does every time yes yeah um i went along the same lines to me your henchman needs to be somebody that's physically intimidating and like um attitude wise can play um intimidating uh he he yeah. needs to be especially with who i picked as my villain he needs to be the physical threat and my villain needs to be the intellectual threat yes um and so for that reason i am going with david diggs um, oh, wow. I like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he could be the villain as well because he can play the brains. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he's empathetic. Um, he definitely can play intimidating. I mean, just watch the last scene from Blind Spotting if you need to know that. Yes. Um, or even thinking. Scene. Or even thinking, like, in his roles in Hamilton, he has such a stage presence as yes. Lafayette. Like, uh, I think he would be. Again, you, he could be the just the villain, mm-hmm. um, but we went with a henchman. I just I, I need somebody to be the physical force and really more so just 
an intimidation in a physical yeah. force. He doesn't necessarily have to be ripped like Bautista. Right. Or something like that. So um, so that's that's what I have. So who is your villain complimenting Bautista? So for me, I literally, I was like racking my brain about this the other night. And I think to me, someone who kind of like stands out the most for me to like be a villain. And I think he could play it to a T. It would have to be Jonathan, Ma- Jonathan Majors. So okay. I'm I'm believing it could be Jonathan Majors because like after um after his role in like Lovecraft Lovecraft Country I loved him in that and then like seeing his surprise cameo in Loki sorry spoiler alerts if anybody has not seen Loki yet my apologies I mean he's great in <laughs> the Five Bloods as well yes the Five Bloods he was great in that and then his small little role in White Boy Rick where he well he's technically not the antagonist but he's kind of like playing part of an antagonist in that movie mm-hmm. i i feel like he he can kill it as the villain and i feel like um to me it doesn't matter like what kind of like villain he is i just feel like he will be the type that will want to watch like the world burn and i feel like mm-hmm. he will play it with like like with like the intellectual and like with the subtlety that's like to me that's easily scarier than rages so to me i feel like when he gets on that screen he like instantly pulls you in and you're like focused on him because it's like he's he can like draw you in into anything that he wants you to believe that what he's saying like you kind of like want to root for the villain but even though you don't want to but i think he will just be like that perfect fit like with Batista because I think it would just work out perfectly in a way and especially with like Henry Golding as uh, Bond I think like it would just work out like just great I think it would just be like one of those great characters to me that would be pretty terrific all right for my villain Mm -hmm. um, I picked the person who I sneakily think would be the best Joker cast ever um and I, but I don't necessarily want to pick him based off of Joker. I want to give a more intellectual version. Um, take, okay. So take the insanity of Joker, but give it the calm, cool presence of a normal. I, w- I want to make him like uh, very, very similar to like Silva from Skyfall, or um, you know, like to give him like tons of confidence and tons of mm-hmm. brains and uh, tons of know-how. Uh, I am having Bo Burnham as my villain. Oh wow! I, I can you. Know- yeah, I could actually see. I can <laughs> actually see that. <laughs> I th- I think he is a star in the making. He has already been a star for a while. I think this is a future Oscar winner we're talking about. I think um, this is a future. He- he's go- he's going to get an EGOT for sure. Uh, Emmy, Grammy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Um, I think he already has several of those. Uh, yeah. He is for and and not only that, but. We are not. Ta- we are not just talking about like Oscar-winning actor. We're talking Oscar-winning director, Oscar-winning writer. He was snubbed for his role in Promising Young Woman last year, and he was um, so good was in snubbed, that. He was snubbed for writing and directing Eighth Grade. Um, he is to me uh, a a super promising um, everything um, yes. for for upcoming. And I I know I'm not alone in saying that. I just think yeah. Uh, even though I didn't love Inside, even though I, I really liked Inside, I didn't love it. Um, it's right. it's clear to see that he is if he stays on the same trajectory, he has the most exciting career, uh, the most exciting future in all of Hollywood to me. So um, yeah, I, think I would love really to see him place. in a villain role. I think 
I think it would be really incredible. Yeah, so. I think so too. Like, especially after seeing him and um, probably seeing Young Woman, because I, for like the life of me, I didn't even know that he was the writer for eight, the writer and the director for eighth grade. Like, did not have a clue on that. But like when I saw him in Promising Young Woman, it was just like, oh, he just seemed like, you know, like that, in, you know, like that really like cool, kind of like innocent, kind of like nerdy, awkward guy, you know? And then it was mm-hmm. kind of like, you kind of like see like a turn in him in that movie. And it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to have to keep my eye on you because I'm like, you're, you're really good. Yeah. He's also, uh, he's filming a Lakers miniseries where he plays Larry Bird. Um <laughs> That he is apparently rumored for a Sesame Street movie in 2022. <laughs> um, he was in The Big Sick, which also Camille Nanjiani yes. um, there. Um, yeah, a, a lot of his writing stuff has just been his own stuff. Uh, but uh, And director, he's only made the one film, um, Eighth Grade. I mean, Inside is labeled as a TV special, but let's yeah. call it what it is. Inside is a film. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm really proud of that. Um, yes. I totally forgot. I am sorry uh, to oh, put no. a writer and director. Do you do you have an idea for like who you would want to kind of be behind making this film come together? Ooh, because um... I, I I came up with one <laughs> as we were talking because I realized I forgot. Okay, uh, so I can talk if you want to like figure it out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. So, so again, to remind you of my cast, I have uh, Andrew Garfield as Bond, Idris Elba as M, Mark Hamill as Q, Zendaya as Moneypenny, uh, Melissa Benoist as um, uh, the, a, a Bond girl, um, David Diggs as a henchman, and Bo Burnham as a villain. Gosh, I love that cast. Uh, I think to me, an ideal writer-director, um, there's a lot of them. Trust me, there's yeah. a lot of them. Um, yes. Somebody I would love, <laughs> and I just went ahead and lumped writer-director together. Um uh, because uh, of you know, obviously we'd still have the bond, the typical bond writers on there, but uh, right. for time's sake, um, to me, um, to me, uh, I, I think this is right up Drew Goddard's alley, the kind of movie I'm going for. So Drew Goddard, writer of The Martian, Cloverfield, uh, and World oh, War Z, okay. as well as writer director for The Cabin in the Woods and Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, he's like good. He's a good writer. <laughs> He's an incredible writer. Yeah, uh, he like, does. He does not miss, and he's a no. great director too. Um, I would love to see what he does with the Bond film. Um, I think it'd be yeah. just terrific, and especially kind of the tone I'm going for. We know he can do serious and comedy. Um, you know, I I think kind of basing off of like the uh, bad times at the El Royale um, for his uh, for for kind of a style would be an incredible Bond film. Yes. So, um, so I. When you said like director and writer, I feel like I instantly kind of like came, I kind of like came up with the guy I kind of want. Um, okay. Well, for like uh, director wise, I feel like um, it would, to me, I feel like he would probably be a good choice. In a way, he might be, but then I feel like, <laughs> and then I'm just like, yeah, maybe sorry, not. I totally meant to put it in the notes because we always <laughs> do writer director. Um, sometimes we do composer as well. Yeah. But, uh, um, uh, so I apologize. Oh no, you're totally um, <laughs> you're fine. Um, but if I had to make a choice, because I'm I'm a fan yeah. of his movies, and I feel like he's starting he's starting to do a little bit better than just sticking with the comedy. I would have to say Edgar Wright. I think I mm-hmm. I would love to see what he would do. Like I would love to see what kind of like turn and he would take with doing a James Bond movie like because I'm in love yeah. with the Cornetto trilogy with you know Simon Pegg and Nick Frost um that was like my 
first movie that I saw of his, which was Shaun of the Dead, and like instantly just fell in love with him. Um, so, and then of course I love again a director that just doesn't yeah. miss. Yeah, it's like um, Scott Pilgrim, and, and he's from the UK, so yeah, bonus points. So yeah, so I'm like literally like he would literally be for me. He would be like the he would be the writer or not the writer, the director. Like I would love to see him direct his own style of what he would picture would be a James Bond movie for sure. I mean, he he also does his writing too. So exactly. I so I think it's a, so I think and, so, uh, so yeah. I you think know, I and would. it's one of those things that like with the last night in Soho coming out soon, like right. And he he recently did the the Sparks Brothers documentary. Like he's not just doing just directing you know, Shaun of the Dead, Hot yeah. Fuzz, Baby Driver. Yeah. You know yeah. these hyper Scott Pilgrim versus the World. He's, these right. amazing hyper stylized things. It looks like yes. he, he. I think he's maybe trying to get away from a one note writer director. But right. Gosh, it's it's perfect the way he does things. Yeah. But this last night in Soho, I think. Um, yeah, because I considered him as well. I thought he'd been great, mm-hmm. but I, I yeah. thought like, no, I really want like Martian vibes here. So yeah, so I would say I would, yeah, I would consider him the writer and the director because I would just love to see like what he would he would do for for it because I know it would be completely like out of this world compared to like the other movies. I just think he would just do like a really good job. I I think he would as well. Well, uh, that's our fantasy cast uh, for the next 007 movie. If we completely recast it. Um, I think uh, I think it's exciting either way. Yes, um, I love your cast. Um, Same, and I love yours I as well. Be, I think both of these movies need to get financed right away. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and for the MGM execs out there listening, um, please consider Henry yes. Golding and Andrew Garfield as 007. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, one last thing before we wrap up, and that's the spinoff. Mm-hmm. So Chantal, what is the one thing? in any area of pop culture that you want to tell everybody to either check out or to stay away from? Hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. If there's one thing I would tell people to um, check out, I would have to say, what is the last? Ooh, I know. Um, I think the one thing I would tell people to probably stay away from would be, um, it was on the tip of my tongue. Oh, the anticipation is killing me. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, it was on the tip of my... Um, oh my god. What is it? Ah, it was something that I just recently watched, and it's like, please, just stay like, stay away from that. Um, oh, it was that one... It's like a one show that they just started doing, and I'm just like, okay, it almost feels like the mass Singer. It's like... It's like a, it's like the same thing, but they like digitalize the people or whatever, like where they like, like they have to, yeah, it's like, instead of them being like in costumes, I'm literally trying to figure out what this show is called. Um, It's another like mask something. Yes. It's like another like mask something where they have to figure out who the person is, but they're actually, it's like a digitalized, uh, it's like they're digitalized selves. And I'm just like, is it, I can see your voice. That's it. I, no, it's alter ego. That's what it is. It's alter ego. Okay. It's called alter ego. It's like an avatar like singing competition, and I'm just like, it's basically the same thing as mass singer. I'm like, you're getting the same thing. I'm like, just stay away from that because it's it's the same As a thing. Three point two on IMDb. Yeah, I'm just. Like, it's like it gives like that same field as the mass singer. I'm just like just like stay away from that because it's like you're supposed to be encouraging self-confidence but you're giving people avatars 
So it's like, you're not your yep. real self. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Just, yeah, stay away from it. Yep. Um, <laughs> cool. I've got to, uh, I, I will not check it out. Um, <laughs> not a chance. Uh, I've got to double down on uh, something that happened, uh, something that was recommended on one of the other podcasts I listened to on uh, the Behind the Sins podcast. Uh, Danae last week recommended mm-hmm. um, a podcast episode. Um, it's called The Search for the Missing Hit. Um, it's on the podcast, um, uh, reply all, which as they also pointed out, um, there's definitely some not great things about the people that were in charge of the podcast at the time. Um, it's, it's nothing like, it's not like the worst thing. It wasn't like sexual harassment being covered up for years or anything like that, but there was, um, some racial inequality in the workplace, um, uh, is a pretty mild way to put it, um, specifically with like casting and, or like hiring and all that. So like, um, you know, so definitely not excusable, definitely not good. Um, but, um, um, you know, I'm recommending an episode. Um, the, uh, the story is there's this guy who is trying to make his wife laugh, laugh one night. So he starts singing this song that he really remembers from the nineties. And she has no idea what it is, and he can't find a trace of it on the internet anywhere. Oh, um, wow. And so these producers are telling this story. This producer is telling the story of um, of him hearing this story and then going on this journey to to try to identify this song. And uh, it takes a lot of weird twists and turns. A lot of big names are involved. Uh, right. Big names, not to us, but big names right. to the music industry. Um, and uh, the song definitely becomes an earworm, and I've listened to it so much afterwards. Um, it's it's only fifty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really incredible fifty minutes. So uh, if you use Spotify like me, you can just search the case for the missing hit, and that episode will come up um, for sure. Worth fifty minutes of your time. It's it's captivating. So oh, wow. uh, definitely recommending you check that out. Uh, and there uh, is there's one more thing that I have because I know that I did to stay away. And there is one more thing that I want to do where the one is check it out. I recently just watched it. It was on HBO Max. It's a new docuseries. It's called The Way Down, God, Greed, and the Cult of Gwen Chamberlain. And, oh, I've heard about this. Yes. And I literally binged it within when I first found out about it. Um, literally binged the first three episodes. It's five episodes. The only problem is that we get the first three now, and then we get the last two next year so it was kind of like it was kind of next year exactly so i was like so disappointed that they gave us the first three and then the last two come out next year i was like you can't tease somebody like that (laughs) it's like you can't tease people like that and like leave them hanging because it's so bizarre and like very disturbing like the story behind um the remnant following uh, fellowship church that she had she had found Gwen Chamberlain and it was like all about the weight, the weight down work uh, workshop, which is like a Christian diet program where they like preach extreme, like eating along with fundamentalist uh, values. And there's like so much more stuff that's in it. It's just like, it gets really dark, (laughs) really fast, but it's very entertaining to watch. It's very entertaining. I am uh, definitely going to check this out. You sure. have to, for sure, for sure. They're a little bit under an hour, but they go pretty fast. Nice. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to check that out for sure. Um, yes. Well, great. Uh, we did it. We did the show. Yay. Uh, so that's a wrap. A uh, quick reminder, the Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. 
Uh, if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com, you want to get in contact with us, send us questions, explore during the B plot, uh, give us some feedback. Any of that uh, is appreciated. Uh, you can email writersroom at SifPop.com. Uh, you can also get in contact with me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. But Chantal, where are ways that people can connect with you uh, and uh, and uh, chat about this? Uh, I already forgot the name of this, but this really <laughs> crazy documentary um, that I'm definitely going to check out. Uh, yes. <laughs> so... Um, everybody can check me out at underscore Akira XO on Twitter. You can also find me as at the mode on Letterbox as well. So if you want to learn about some about my opinions on movies or want to get any kind of like new suggestions, you can follow me there. Cool. Uh, yeah, so make sure to check out uh, all the Chantal stuff over there. Um, and uh, thanks so much for, for joining me and for talking about Thank all these. Thank you for these, having uh, me. Of course. Uh, we'll do it again here sometime soon. Uh, right. And uh, um, uh, next week I have uh, Scott and uh, Joe joining. Uh, we're going to talk about the Superman movies, one through four, and returns. Uh, and next oh. month um, for nostalgia, gosh, I am really bad at remembering uh, things. Oh, it's uh, Vince. Uh, Vince will be on. No, no, Vince is December. Who's, I'll figure it out. All um, right. <laughs> um, and I'll let people know. But um, yeah, uh, that uh, that'll be that'll be coming out next week. Is Scott and Joe? We're talking about Superman one through four and Superman Returns, and we'll see you back here then. <laughs>